Good morning. I think we are on. We're live. Sabaho, everybody. Oh, man. Sabah. Welcome back to the chat. Welcome back to the show. Um, it is Saturday morning. Well, actually, it's another episode of Saturday Morning with Tech. Um, this time it's episode 66. And hopefully I'm doing the numbers right on my show because uh, obviously I'm messing it up all the way on the best of our week. Uh, it is April 10th, 2021. And uh, <laughs> apparently I'm late to the show because everybody's already kind of hanging out with us here. Sabaho, uh, El Josa's in the comment. Uh, Demir's in there as well. Davin Davis. Um, Richard's in there. Uh, Chemi's in the chat. Hey, man, hope you're doing well. Um, and of course, Abdelaisa is in there as well. <laughs> Everybody else is hanging out, uh, kicking it. And of course, uh, just, you know, having fun on this uh, really nice uh, Guten Morgen, uh, uh, hopefully I'm saying that, Gert Grabo. And then uh, Abdelaziz as well. Sabaho, ahla wa sahlan. Dude, appreciate it. Always, always appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. And um, it is a nice, it's it's a nice week. Uh, it's it's been actually an interesting week because uh, it's actually spring break for us here in the U.S. for for my son, not for me. And um, so for the most part, it's been basically kind of juggling, um, you know, just normal posting content and so on. And then of course, trying to have some fun a little bit with my son. And and in in at least in California, um, for us, we finally started to reopen uh, theme parks. Uh, some parts of the U.S. had theme parks open for some time, but in the U.S., at least in California, uh, we're starting to see theme parks opening up, and which is very very nice. So we've been hitting up um, uh, Magic Mountain. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. It's just a roller coaster type of a theme park, and uh, we've been hitting it up a couple of times now. Definitely enjoying it. Um, and um, Sergius is starting us off with the right question here: Is what is your thought on the Me Eleven? So now the Me Eleven. There's we're going to talk about a couple of things. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the OnePlus watch any spoilers so far Davin Davis uh so we are going to talk about the OnePlus watch we are going to be able to talk also about the Mi 11 uh, Ultra as well I want to talk to you guys a little bit um the device was announced and it was highly anticipated at least for me I was very excited to be able to get my hands on the Mi 11 Ultra I got a chance to play a little bit with the Mi 11 the Mi 11 Lite uh, and I got a flavor of what Xiaomi is doing for their Mi 11 series now there is technically a Mi 11 Pro but that one's not coming to the international market. So there's a little bit of a difference as to what internationally you're going to be able to pick up if you want to. There's going to be the Lite, the Mi 11 Lite, and there's going to be a 4G and a 5G model. There's two different versions there. And then, of course, that's basically their entry level to the Mi series. Then you get the Mi 11, which is what I think we were talking about there. And, of course... Um, and, and you know what were you getting essentially in the in, in the chat? Um, <laughs> old Bass Goldman, good morning, good morning. Sabaho. Um so the short conversation there is uh, the Ultra is culminating everything that we wanted to see in Xiaomi's main flagships. And I think it took a lot of pages. Like they went over to what Samsung did with the S21 Ultra and, of course, what Apple did with their device uh, on the 12 Pro Max. So you're getting a large display form factor, a very nice, gorgeous display, 120 hertz QHT resolution, obviously running them at the same time, a large 5,000 milliampere battery, uh, 67 watts on both wired and wireless. I mean, both are going to be fastest. Um, obviously, the other two flagships are not even going to come close to that. Uh, the big difference, of course, is the fact that this also has... Uh, triple camera sensors in the back that are very, very functional. A primary that is at a 50 megapixel sensor, and that's going to be the GN2 sensor that we just saw that just literally the first device to run the sensor from Samsung. And of course, what we also have is the 48 megapixel sensor dual sensors. One is an ultra wide and one's a telephoto. And what I really liked about it is what they gave us with the options there, as well as that little display that's present all the, ever so slightly on the right side of that phone, uh, on the back there as well. 
um, uh, Rahul's, uh, Rahul's asking, is there any ad? You know, it's typical to, to any kind of Xiaomi MIUI device. Uh, if you're using their first party apps, let's say, you know, you turn those on, those apps, uh, those are going to actually have some ads in them. But I typically don't necessarily use them all the time. So I don't really have that much of an issue with the ads that have been built in there. Samsung's doing it as well. It's kind of weird uh, to kind of say that, you know, it, they're not the only ones doing it anymore. Uh, and I feel like more companies are putting advertising in there. I mean, even in the Samsung Pay app on Samsung devices, you still now you're getting uh, targeted ads for promotions and so on like that. So it's not uncommon, but you can definitely steer away from it. Um, the first thing I did do, though, when I turned on the phone, I disabled the scanner and I disabled, uh, what is it called? I think the, the virus scanner and the cleaner, I disabled both of those because those were a little bit, um, I feel like they turned them on by default. And I feel like we should have the option to turn those on if we need them. So that's the Mi 11 Ultra uh, as far as what it goes. Joe's in the comment as well. Uh, what's up, Gary the Fireman? Welcome, man. Welcome, everybody. Um, so as far as the ad, yeah, this is typical MIUI. Android 11, MIUI 12, still no, no 12.5. I was hoping 12.5 will come out uh, with the Mi 11 Ultra. Uh, one thing I would definitely say is the camera on the back, or at least the, the display next to the camera on the back is very, very nice. Although I feel like they're missing a couple of things and I'm wanting them to add those features as soon as possible. The first thing I would probably say is it's available for camera, so you can use it on the camera. And if you guys had a chance to check out the hands-on video that I put out, the TK Essential video there, um, you'll notice that the, the functions for that right now is limited to a certain uh, apps. So the built-in music app, as well as the Spotify app. Um, and it, you can only use it right now with photo mode, not portrait mode, not video mode, but only photo mode within the camera app uh, from Xiaomi. And I feel like the limit there would I feel although great for taking pictures if you want to take selfie, uh, you know, rear camera selfies with the ultra wide, the telephoto or the standard camera. It's, it's really where video, I feel like, would be the best situation that I think, especially for content creation. And the reason I say this, the sensors that we have on the back on here, which makes it very different than the two other flagships, let's say the 12 Pro Max, as well as the 11 uh, S21 Ultra, is the fact that you can shoot 8K 24 frames per second with any one of the three sensors in the back. You can shoot 4K 60 with any one of the three sensors in the back. All of the modes, everything that you see on the, uh, as far as like the high-end features that you get on the smartphone when it comes to camera are available on all three sensors in the back because Xiaomi is really giving you heavy emphasis on the performance there and what they want you to do. So I felt like when they gave us all of those, but they only give us the feature for the camera, I feel like that's kind of a little bit of a, maybe a, a delayed feature. Obviously, a very much a software thing. This has nothing to do with hardware limitations since they've used it before. Um, other than that, you can customize a couple of things. You can add your own picture, your own special message and everything like that. I think that's going to be a very nice feature there. Uh, so all of those, uh, <laughs> thank you very much, Sergius. Always, always appreciate it. Uh, always with the super uh, super sticker there. Or I think it's a super chat. I'm, I'm not sure. I think StreamYard's changing the way we see it. But thank you. Always, always appreciate it there. Um, so there are some things in the news. Obviously, there are, people are going to start talking about uh, the Pixel Watch or the, what they're referring to. And I think I saw this, right? ER1980. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Pixel Watch and the Pixel 6. Dang. Yes. Uh, Whitechapel. I mean, so, so Google is definitely gunning to to make an impact and make a, bi a big presence in 2021. So um, the big shift in, in, in approach to Pixel 6 is going to be obviously something that a lot of us are going to be paying attention to. So Google going in with Samsung to build in and actually supporting it on their flagship device, uh, whichever, you know, Whatever, basically, I would say performance level that we're expecting out of it, even if it is comparable to, let's say, an 855, an 865, 
it's still going to be a massive improvement over what we've seen before with at least last year, right? We saw a seven series processor, a very capable series. Uh, but if you kept really track of what's going on, uh, the Pixel 4 or the Pixel 4 XL with the 855 still in, in, in reason kind of like outperform it, mostly because of the neural core. So hopefully when they're focusing on their own silica, that they actually bring the neural core back. And I think Juan and I kind of talked about that as well on Wednesday, on Thursday's show. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to that. And that you know, with the with the, I, so the the things about the Pixel Watch, uh, I'm I'm seeing it different going a couple of ways. Some people are saying it is an actual watch. Some of them are actually saying it's just basically a health monitor type of an app, a type of a, 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 a an accessory. So we'll have to see what that offers. I mean, obviously the OnePlus Watch is it's going pretty big also on the announcement, if you think about it. Uh, and if, if you guys got a chance to see, I posted a couple of pictures and I think somebody was ca caught it that in my video on the Mi 11 Ultra, um, I was wearing two watches at the time. And, uh, and it's like, hey, what's the other, other watch on the other hand? Um, and yes, if you ever see me wearing two watches, just again, um, <laughs> a little bit of a disclaimer. Typically, if I'm going to start to test out a watch, I need to wear it to be able to use it to gather some metrics. So there's that metric gathering function time and you can't gather the metric without wearing it. And I'm not going to wear two watches on one hand. Uh, I always do one right and left. So it ends up looking like I'm wearing two watches, but it typically carry two phones. So it doesn't really hurt to have a secondary connection there. Um, but definitely very, very nice. Uh, so <laughs> do you think Google will make a foldable device this year? Um, you know what, with all, of the, with all the indications that we've seen, so first and foremost, Google I.O., literally about a month away, announcements came out, the registrations have been out to people. And the reality is, I don't know if Google would want to jump into the, that, that foldable technology yet. The, typically, Google doesn't lead in hardware uh, development. They typically, they typically always will adapt or they will get on something that has been uh, sitting there and basically maybe been developed and at least been the water's been tested with it. Uh, foldables as far as devices we've had them maybe for about a couple of years that have been basically mainstream and i'm not talking about the royal uh flex uh that the initial version that came out i think it was uh, two years ago at 2019 ces i'm talking about basically just availability in the, in the market itself so first thing is i don't think google's jumping into it i think we're going to have enough from other parties although to the to the fact that we obviously the news that came out early this week lg will not be releasing their version of their uh you know rollable device um, if anything else, we know at least uh, Xiaomi is more, uh, jumping into it with the Mi Mix uh, Fold. Uh, we also know Oppo is going to be jumping into it with their foldable, I think the Oppo X 2021. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, TCL at, 20, uh, at, um, at, at CES actually announced a whole bunch of different things. They even had one that was kind of like a scroll option thing. So the answer is we are going to have other options. And of course, the successor to the Fold from last year. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, if we're not mistaken, we're not, we can't forget Huawei, but Huawei also released their version of their foldable. So we are going to have a, a certain number of devices that are premium devices that are going to be foldables and available. So Google jumping into it at this point, I feel like I, I'll say this. I think for Google to jump into foldables, uh, they would need to first maybe tackle in desktop mode, that feature that's been baked into Android that hasn't been developed and basically has minor improvements over time, but we haven't really seen a lot of improvements outside of basically what Samsung and uh, One UI and even, I guess, unfortunately too, because uh, what LG was doing for their devices. So they've improved the desktop mode on Android, but that was pretty much what we got. Uh, OnePlus devices still have the option for us to turn it on, but it isn't really a very fine-tuned experience. So not even OnePlus is focusing on it. Um, let me see here. Uh, but yeah, no. So I, I, at least with foldables, I don't think uh, I don't think Google's jumping into that. I think White Castle is going to be uh, Whitechapel is going to be the main thing. White Castle is what I'm having, what I want to have for lunch. Uh, 
But I feel like, you know, the watch option as well, hopefully we'll see something from them, what their approach to it. I mean, Wear OS has been around for many, many years, and we see a lot more options now on Wear OS than we've seen in the past. But we're starting to see other options. I mean, other companies are releasing phones and watches and so on. So we'll have to see. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that they will never happen. I'm just saying at least not in 2021. Uh, let me see if I'm mixing anything else. I think I, I'm going through some of these comments. Dominic, oh, Dominic is in there as well. Hey, man. Good morning. Uh, only a couple of days. It's oh, I, <laughs> oh man. Um, backside he uh, oh, bad while recording video. Is that true? Okay, so uh, let's start talking a little bit more about the Mi 11 Ultra. So um, the Mi 11 Ultra as a performance as as a as just a daily driving device, if you're using this on the, on the daily. And keep in mind that my usage within the last five days has not been, uh, basically, I would say, um, a typical day of usage on the daily, on a smartphone that I'm using on the daily that I'm not testing. When I'm testing a phone, it obviously takes into a whole different, uh, um, I, I factor in much more heavier usage, much more, uh, a lot more images are taken, a lot more videos are taken, a lot more strain on the performance when it comes to battery and everything like that. Uh, and consistently with the, within the last five days, I haven't lost power to the point where I've killed the device. So I've gotten down to about 10% at the end of the day. And that was even after a whole day of spending it at the at Magic Mountain with the family, taking pictures, taking videos, uh, and just all around being on the phone and joining. There was that initial setup a couple of days that I got it. I literally took it out of the box, put my account into it, and I was setting it up as I was walking around the park because that's how it was. That's how, I would say, late-breaking kind of the experience was. Um, Magic. So overall... Battery life is great. Uh, MIUI manages memory the way MIUI has been managing it in the past. Uh, 5,000 milliampere battery works really nice. And you are able to turn on a feature within the WQHD on the, on the display to be able to allow you to save some battery. So you don't have to run WQHD and 120 all the time. It does have a little bit of a smart adjustment options in there. Um, now, as far as the overall performance, it actually felt a lot faster than even the Mi 11, although the Mi 11 did feature uh, 120 hertz. But I feel like the WQHD with the 120 gave us a little bit better of a UI element, like fluidity overall, like just transferring from one page to the other. All of those things were really nice. Um, as far as, um, you know, applications and so on, everything ran the way you did imagine it. There was no issues for me as far as applications. I was not able to get 5G in the U.S. That is a big thing that you want to be aware of. I am able to get 4G LTE, and that is actually pretty decent. So about 77 down, about 30s up, if I'm not mistaken. I think I have the app. So obviously, I still have the app installed. Let's just go ahead and jump in real quick into results. Yeah, 71 down and 7 up on one of my sessions, and the other one was 35 up and 25, uh, sorry, 35 down and 30, 25 up. So again, I wouldn't call this obviously 5G connectivity because it doesn't support the bands, but it still worked quite well. I mean, for most things, uh, updating apps and so on, everything else worked great. Uh, benchmarks were actually pretty decent. As long as you ran them in the uh, game turbo, you're also able to see some improvements. It performed the best at 1080p 60. And that's mostly because I feel like the, the horsepower, the processing power and everything is basically just running more optimal. It doesn't have to push so many pixels. It doesn't have to refresh the display at much higher refreshes. So uh, although very close to uh, WQHD, so uh, QHD and 120, I still think that in Game Pro or in the, uh, the Game uh, Turbo app, it actually optimizes the system to run a little bit better. Outside of that, it still ran exactly as we expect. Very similar to the Mi 11. It is not a throttled experience. This is not Samsung. This is Xiaomi. Xiaomi just gave you all the power. Now, unfortunately, that also means that we also get some of the heat with it. So that's something to keep in mind. 
now I've been using it with the case that came included in the box. There's a clear case that Xiaomi includes, which I really like actually. I like the fact that Xiaomi still includes cases in their boxes. So it's a clear TPU. Well, that's not a TPU. It's a clear case, very thin, not exactly going to be protecting our hands from any kind of thermals. Um, it does get warm. It does definitely gets warm uh, and gets warm to the touch. Uh, playing Genshin Impact, playing PUBG Mobile, as well as Call of Duty Mobile for the test that I shared with you guys. Um, I actually, it, so I'll say this, PUBG Mobile and Call of Duty played very nicely. I was able to get consistent 90 frames per second, uh, 40 frames per second, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, about 40 to 60 frames per second on the PUBG, and I was able to get up to 90 on the uh, Call of Duty Mobile. That was just crazy, and that's how we expected. Everything is extreme, everything at the highest level, UHD all. Uh, when it came down to Genshin, I did run it on extreme on highest. So everything was set to high. Frames were set to 60. And that's where I was able to get some of the heat. So it did definitely get warm. And it gets warm to about 110 Fahrenheit. Make sure you understand it's a Fahrenheit temperature in the US. Um, but it translates to roughly about 40 or 40 or so degrees Celsius. So it definitely gets warm. It dissipates the heat. This is the biggest thing that you want to be aware of. The heat that we feel on a smartphone is not the fact that that phone is not doing its job. It's doing its job to dissipate the heat. It needs to release that heat so that the phone does not overheat and shut down from temperature uh, too much of a high temperature. Um, but the one thing I probably would say is that it is something that you want to be aware of when you're doing long gaming sessions. So I wouldn't necessarily charge the phone and play with it at the same time. The 5,000 milliampere battery will do a good job there. So hopefully I'm answering that question as, as best as I could with the short kind of impressions of, of that of the, of the Mi 11 Ultra. But it, throughout the temperatures, even if, when it did start to feel warm in the hand, I didn't skip a beat. It didn't skip frames. It didn't stutter. It didn't have any problems with the game. Genshin was running perfectly fine, uh, transitioning from the characters, going in between different things. And again, I was having it render everything. Um, Call of Duty Mobile, as you can imagine, very fast paced, very kick ass, but the temperatures didn't get as high. And I'm assuming it's something to do with the level of work. Call of Duty Mobile doesn't have uh, open world experience. So there's a different mechanics in the game. So it doesn't have to render as much. And it's mostly focusing on whatever's on my display. So that's the biggest difference. The same thing with PUBG Mobile. Although PUBG Mobile has a little bit of an open space, but I feel like it's limited by the compatibility. So both of those didn't really make the phone as hot as when I played Genshin Impact. Um, and of course, Undead Horde is going to be one of the next games I'm going to be playing on so as I work with my full review on the phone. So we just keep that in mind. Um, uh, Juan Carlos convinced me on Thursday and I downloaded the game. So I've been playing that for the last few days, enjoying it very much. Um, so, okay, here's a good question. Sizab is asking a quick question here. So, hi, bro. Um, <laughs> I have one question. I feel like uh, I feel like to brand Xiaomi loses its... Okay, so I'm think I'm not sure if, if you mean essentially is is Xiaomi losing its edge or is Xiaomi basically uh, not uh, at the top of its game? And I feel like Xiaomi is typically it's doing what Xiaomi does. I mean, it's been the last couple of years now where we've seen Xiaomi literally produce so many devices in a year that it becomes almost hard to tell what is what. Now there's the Xiaomi plant, uh, sorry, the Xiaomi uh, brand, and then you have obviously you know the, uh, the the Redmi, and then you also have the Poco. There's different, and then of course there's the uh, the Black Shark as well. So there's different sub brands of Xiaomi. Um, I feel like what Xiaomi is trying to do right now is trying to more focus their experience. They gave us the standard, the Mi 11, the Mi 11 Lite, and then the Mi 11 Pro, and then of course the Super Ultra Premium one that looks nothing like the other three is the Mi 11 Ultra, which we've seen in the past. Uh, is it really kind of over? I'm not sure if it's something that I think a lot of people have had enough. There may be also other devices that are released specifically to uh, like in the Asian market that we don't typically get to see. And that could also be the other factor that I'm not putting into this equation. But on our side, I mean, realistically, we have 
four we have three devices that, that were released at the beginning of 2021 which is their typical lineup uh the the light i think was probably the new one that we haven't seen before so that would maybe be the only thing last year we saw the me 10 me 10 pro and then the ultra came out but it never really made it everywhere so some people did receive it in europe but there was also they were still using the chinese version this time it's coming so we'll have to see how they kind of continue the conversation um there as well uh, but as far as uh yeah raul as far as the heat uh, it definitely feels hot you can hear you can feel it um but for me gaming i typically so uh, the question that you're asking is you're saying that this camera area gets hot you never typically touch this area that's where your sensors are you're always holding around it so i'm not sure how people were, were sensing the temperatures from there because this is typically an area that you stay or steer away from literally because if you're filming you're taking pictures you always hold your phone away from the sensors so um, even if it does get warm to dissipate that heat, it doesn't affect us. For me, the heat that I was referring to was mostly in that same area on the opposite side of where my display is. Because when I was playing, I can start feeling a little bit of warmth on my left finger. Um, not on the right one, as that's probably mostly the the temperature. Oh, sorry, the, uh, the charger is in there. Let me see here if I missed anything else. Um, okay, Dominic wants to ask you, I checked on the Asus Store UK a few days ago. Uh, they are selling the ROG Phone 3 now, which is very weird. Uh, that is interesting. Okay, so for the ROG Phone 3 finally made it to the UK. It wasn't there. I know them at least, if I'm not mistaken, I think Matt last year was having the hardest time trying to buy the uh, ROG Phone 3. He bought it from somebody through Amazon on from Paris, which ended up getting it imported for him. So maybe this is when they're starting to finally sell it there. I don't know if the 5 is there. Um, the RG Phone 3 is the same price as the RG Phone 5 in the UK. Okay, that is very... Like, why would you buy the RG Phone 3 if the 5 is available? Unless unless it's a higher version of the 3, maybe the... Because uh, remember, they always release different versions of their phones. Uh, but that is a very weird situation. I, I hope they can correct that very soon. But I, I hope anybody looking at their site wouldn't buy the, the 3, uh, especially since it doesn't even have the headphone jack and the faster charging, a whole bunch of different things. I mean, not just one. Um, Joe, uh, I, I, so I haven't heard, uh, haven't had uh, any time to watch my, any YouTube. Uh, I'm brushing, <laughs> I'm burst. Uh, I'm Brian Rush me 11 Ultra Video TK. Yeah, no, I, I, I realize it's it's been it's been one of those weeks. It's been a, it's been a busy week for a lot of people, and I think um, I was just very excited to put that video, th those two videos, the Arabic and the English side. Uh, very, very, I wanted to get it to people to kind of just the impressions of what I was getting out of it, and it's, honestly. From a camera standpoint, it has not disappointed. Like seriously, the performance on the cameras on the back for, I want to say basically auto mode, if you're allowing the phone to do it's, it's what, what they're intending to do. And I'm not saying that you should be buying a really expensive phone just to do auto. You are able to jump into pro mode. There is different modes in there, portrait mode, a video mode using the display. There's a whole bunch of things to do. But on it, just standard, if you want to take a picture, like you take turn on the phone, swipe the camera and go straight into snap a pic, it actually does a really good job. That is really like one of the things, like the images that I shared uh, on Twitter for everybody, uh, we're primarily, I mean, with a little bit of composition, seriously, either just going in there, uh, tap and touch, focusing, reducing maybe a little bit of light. Uh, it overall is just basically using the default camera app on the standard app uh, option. Uh, portrait imagery, as you saw there with my son on that one, I think uh, was also really, really nice. I was trying to frame the roller coaster right behind them. Um, and it does actually subject se uh, separation very nicely. There's no banding. There's no fading pieces. There's no line right across the thing. It, it actually did a really good job. Uh, so very happy with that performance there. Um, 
Uh, Rupak's asking here, so if Google brings its own watch and Samsung um, also uh, switches to Wear OS, uh, <laughs> don't you think that it'll, it will end up seeing a huge improvement in Wear OS as an operating system? Um, so there's there's a double-edged sword to this, right? Samsung is, as, a, as an entity, as a company, is always going to be basically pushing to try to promote their products, right? So Tizen, as an operating system, has a, a very robust ecosystem. Wear OS obviously has a much bigger ecosystem. It's been around. It's adapted to much more different pieces of hardware. Um, I feel like definitely Wear OS will improve if they're able to contribute into the development. Uh, keep in mind, uh, they're not... We haven't seen any announcement of Samsung co-developing uh, Wear OS. They're going to be using Wear OS. So typically, if you think about it, that, that still is um, very much a Google improved improvement system. So Google needs to work at it. Google needs to improve uh, the, the latency issues, um, not on all, all of the models, but mostly specifically the Bluetooth disconnect issues that a lot of devices still have, even when they're running Wear OS. Uh, Tizen doesn't have as many issues as that, uh, even though they're using the same hardware for the most part. So my hope is that we see the improvements from both sides. Uh, I think if Samsung's able to basically uh, start helping in the uh, you know improvements, fixing some of those concerns, even if it's just on Samsung devices, Google can definitely learn from that. So we'll have to see. But I'm excited to see what Google has to offer, uh, especially with 2021 hardware. I mean, I.O. is in about a month, and we'll hopefully be he hearing a lot more about this. So that that is going to be a big push for us to be able to see what they have. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I think I skipped. Uh, I skipped quite a few. Oh, man. Let me see here. Okay. Da, da, da. Um ER, I think, jumped in there. Most smartphone manufacturers are using uh, top-spec cameras, uh, hardware, just to keep up with Google. Um, just show how superior Google's software is. Would it be interesting to see what Whitechapel uh, SOC brings? So my hope is that, again, the Whitechapel brings in, you know, re brings back the, the, uh, the ability of actually having a neural core and getting the benefit of having basically a dedicated core for type of, anytime you're doing manipulation to kind of video, so on. It's like a, an assisting core that most devices don't have um i think having full control of your device from the hardware design to the soc the same way apple does it is going to be a very big boost because they'll optimize their systems to run and to perform and to be consistent over and over for a longer time and i feel like the biggest pick there that's going to be a beneficial thing for us if if you decide to buy a pixel or go with the pixel it's going to be basically the longevity of the support. So Google, Google can support it for as long as they want as far as software security patch updates, operating system updates. And that's going to give you even more value for the money that you're spending. So there's a big conversation to be had once we start to see what the actual uh, performance is going to be. Uh, you know, How does it compare? Is it more considered to be an entry-level into the mid-range mid -range performance, so close to what, what the 7 series does? Or is it going to be more trying to go for the 8 series type of performance uh, and you know, leveraging a neural core? So back to what we had with the Pixel line of devices, the Pixel 4 series, I think. I think. Let me see here. Uh, oh, the Legion, yes. Uh, Dominic Juan, I get you. Uh, still, the Legion uh, is interesting uh, this year. So Lenovo releases a gaming phone with a very interesting approach to gaming, obviously with cooling and everything. And Zach from Jerry Rig Everything, um, well, he gave it the ROG Phone 5 approach. Uh, and it's essentially, it's anytime you put any kind of ports on the side of a phone where you're not having just a solid metal band where you're able to build a very good construction on it, it's going to cave. And, and and it caves pretty bad. Um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I would probably say whenever we look at a game, whenever we look at a video from Zach, uh, we have to take it with an understanding of he's stress testing it. This is not obviously where people are going to get their phones and they're going to, first thing they're going to do, put their fingers in the back and start pushing it. So 
although that phone kind of crumbled quite fast, like very fast, um, I can attest that the RG phone device, uh, the, the RG phone structure is not really meant to be super rugged. Having a side port on the phone where the bands around it are so thin, they're almost paper thin, made out of metal, they're always going to cave in first. There's no question. Structurally, there's it's almost hard for them to build it very good without literally building an entirely very thick and very heavy beam going across the smartphone to keep the structure straight. And I don't think that that's going to happen because of the weight and, of course, the aesthetics of their smartphones because the batteries have to go somewhere. And the new RG Phone 5 has two separate batteries. Short answer, um, I think it's a great lead. I think the design looks great. Uh, the opportunity of being able to cool your device to this level with the Legion Phone is definitely very nice. Uh, but, you know, I would, I would take his video as entertainment and, and, and hopefully help us understand and appreciate and take care of our devices much, much better. Um, I'm always <laughs> sharking it. Well, 165, always, 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 guys. Team Pixel all the way. Um, I, I truly am excited to see what the Pixel 5a is going to show. And hopefully we'll see that in about a month. And of course, we'll hopefully be able to see some of the new benefits that they're doing with the secondary sensor. But at the end of the day, realistically, yeah, uh, everybody's trying in their own way to catch up to a certain approach of how Google does their processing, right? And it's post-processing. They're the king. They're still the king. Um, I'll say this, though. There's a lot of companies now that have done very good work with their post-processing. Uh, OnePlus, for sure, big improvements on their side for this year with the OnePlus 9 and 9 Pro. Um, and of course, what we've seen also with other companies. And, and Xiaomi is actually getting pretty close when it comes down to images. I still feel like um, skin tones are may not necessarily be as good as the OnePlus 9. Like the OnePlus 9 Pro does a really good job of getting skin tones correctly when you're outdoors, you're indoors. Uh, Xiaomi does a good job of basically getting those colors. To basically, I feel like social media-ready images are just very nice uh, from directly from a Xiaomi device. Uh, and you're able to tame it a little bit. You know, kind of customize the experience there as well if you want to go in there. Uh, Dominic says, the RG Phone 5 is listed on the Asus UK website, but it's not available in stock yet. And, and I think maybe that's what they're trying to do. They're They're getting ready to put out the 5, but they're not reducing the 3, which is over a year old now technically if we if we're just keeping track and we'll have to see basically why why they're i mean again if somebody is buying an rg they should hopefully be aware that there's a five this year uh, and if they do go to the uk website and see it there maybe they'll wait a little bit before they pick it up but if they do pick up the three i mean nothing's wrong with it um and in some series it may even outperform the 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 five uh, mostly because of thermals, right? The 888 and the 865s obviously have a very different approach. 865 doesn't run as hot, but can still handle 90% of what you're able to do on the ROG Phone 5. So it's it's still a good conversation to be had. My only my only concern would be the lack of a headphone jack. And of course, uh, just the overall experience. The headphone jack is actually very nice on the ROG Phone 5. Let me see here. I think I missed... Uh... Oh, man. Uh... Can you use it with Steam Link? Um David, I'm. Oh, again, let me see. Am I reading the questions for me? Uh, yeah. So you can definitely install uh, Steam Link. You can install uh, like you know GeForce Now. Uh, I'm assuming it's the Mi 11 Ultra. So that that's not a difference. There's no difference there as well. Um, here. Uh, so Javier is asking, saying, "Is I would trade in my S21 Ultra for the Xiaomi Mi 11 Ultra uh, in a heartbeat?" And honestly, it, one of those things. What I said at the beginning of my video is. The S21 Ultra promised a lot, and they were building it as the improvement to everything else they've released ever before. And it's hard when you build when you're when you build up a mountain every single time you release a smartphone to a certain point. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to harp on on Samsung's uh, PR approach. I'm just saying that that's typically what they do when you go to their events and you see a whole bunch of things. They typically give you basically. Uh, 
that everything they've made prior to that year was just not as good as this. And that's what we were expecting. We were, and I did the same thing. I purchased it. I went in, I went in for the S21 Ultra. Um, I even went in with the S21 Ultra 256 because I needed more storage. So that was part of the experience. And so going into it, that was some of the things. And then by the time I got the smartphone, I'm not saying the phone doesn't perform well. There's, I mean, obviously for images and videos and so on, there's a lot of things to be said about the S21 Ultra. It's a great phone. Um, and it does have a lot of benefits into it. When I picked up the S the 11 Ultra, the Mi 11 Ultra, I really felt like it was at least a difference in approach. There is innovation in here. There's a push for better performance. And the ability of using the rear sensors, all three rear sensors for everything I want to do. If you want to go to do like an 8K video, 8K 24 frames on the S21 Ultra, you're limited to the primary sensor because that's the highest sensor. That's the one that's intended. Now, even though we have two secondary telephoto lenses, we can't use them there. On the, S on the Mi 11 Ultra, you can just literally pick what sensor you want to pick. Um, you can turn on different different options and so on, and it'll tell you right away which mode you're switching. But I can shoot 8K in ultra-wide, I can shoot 8K in telephoto, and I can shoot 8K in, uh, in standard focal length. That is a big difference. Uh, having that display in the back, that is also a big difference. 67-watt uh, charging, an improvement over what we've seen in the past. Again, those are the things that I want to see when I see the word ultra. I want the best that you have not necessarily a tailored experience from last year's ultra you know so those are the things um so i am with you i i don't i don't disagree with you there are some things though i will probably say that the s21 does a little bit better still than the s uh, than the mi 11 ultra and that's going to be on the front facing camera experience one thing that I've, i i don't know why to this day but we need to start having or start asking any of the OEMs, even the Chinese-based OEMs, to start pushing more than 1080p uh, on front-facing camera experience. We can use 4K. There is no reason we can't use a 4K front-facing camera, 4K 60. Uh, they finally gave us 60 frames per second on the 1080p, which I feel like is a great opportunity. Um, we also have uh, portrait imagery, uh, video, all of that stuff, typical things. But we need 4K, and I feel the S21 line of devices still does that better. We get 4K 60 all across from the front to the back. Um, and the S21 Ultra has uh, front-facing autofocus, which is still also a very good function. So I'll, I'll say this, in the as, as an entire package, when you're using it, um, the cameras on the front work perfect. Portrait mode takes great images. Uh, the exposure and everything else will work perfectly fine. Uh, but if you're putting like literally head and head and you have to kind of start counting different features, there are certain things that the S21 Ultra does best uh, and still does better than the Mi 11 Ultra. But then there's so much more that the Mi 11 Ultra that does better than the S21 Ultra. Just out of the box, when you have a 5,000 milliampere battery, it's a large battery to start. Having the ability of charging it faster should be a plus. Having that charger included in the box is a plus. Having an adapter in the box that allows us to use a headphone jack is also a plus. I mean, it's not an expensive piece. It's a this is seriously, this is not going to cut into profits uh, to the level that I think Samsung is approaching it. But having us having to buy this and only capping us to 25 watt on a, on a 2021 flagship that came from the year after their 21, 2020 flagship, the Ultra, that supported 45 watt charging. Those are things that you have to kind of pay my, pay, pay very much attention to. And I think the users are starting to notice it. it it's not it's not the exact same one-to-one. -one. And I think that's where Xiaomi kind of benefited from it. Um, the thermals, that's another conversation. I feel like there's going to be a lot more things that need to be coming out. Uh, the 888 is a chip that runs hot. There's just nothing we can do. It's, we're not talking Snapdragon 810 hot, but it is hot when you're playing games for a long time. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, TK. Hey, man. How you doing? Uh, what SSC promise? 
Um, you know, they didn't actually share any information as far as what processor is running it in, uh, what runs the uh, the uh, OnePlus Watch yet. Uh, but that's uh, something hopefully, I mean, from the launch event, if we just followed anything else, they're promising two weeks worth of battery life. So that's something that obviously going to be very much uh, power management heavy there. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, Geeky Nassim is asking, hey, TK, um, uh, literally don't know uh, the full, uh, sorry, the full form of, of TK in your name. Um, oh, sorry, it's Tarek. Uh, if you, so it's Tarek is the, TK is Tarek, basically. I, I just went the first and last letter from the first name. I've uh, been wondering uh, about, uh, about, okay, so about this for a long time, uh, pl uh, but please let me know. How are, how, <laughs> oh, how, uh, how well, how are you during uh, the second wave of COVID? Uh, so we haven't, at least in California, we haven't hit a second, a second one yet. There's a lot of concerns. A lot of people are very, um, are thinking about it, are basically very, you know, concerned about that in that sense. But if we just follow all the requirements, all the recommendations uh, given to us as far as just, you know, the distancing and the, and the masking, I feel like that's the biggest thing about reopening in California is that they're, everything that's reopening that is theme park related is staying, uh, it, they're adhering to these policies. Lines are longer because you have to stay apart. They're not running the full rides uh, with everybody in them. So those are things to keep in mind. Uh, the other thing they also say uh, is to make sure that you're always wearing your mask, always sanitized, there's sanitizer everywhere. So the the, the overall approach, at least at this point, is that they're cautiously optimistic. Uh, more people are getting, uh, getting their second doses, first doses, um, at least for us, I think in another week or so, they're going to open up uh, requirement availability for everybody. So anybody that is, I think, 16 or older should be able to get it. So at least for that matter, that gets us into a situation where we'll have better uh, better support for that and at least hopefully reduce the number of, uh, of cases that are coming up. But thank you. I appreciate you for asking. And uh, yeah, Tarek all the way. <laughs> uh, you can call me Tarek or uh, just uh, the spelling is T-A-R-E-K, not T-A-R-I-Q. There's two different spellings of it, uh, just for reference. Uh, let me see here. Um, Faisal Hanaf is asking, uh, hello, I have a quick question. I um, Sorry. Is there any advantages uh, of purchasing Mi 11 Lite over the Poco F3 uh, when both uh, both of them have uh, near the same prices, but the specs are pretty far apart? Okay. So it's hard to explain it, but let's just say this. Okay. So the Mi 11 Lite on both models, you're running a 732G or a 780G. So the 780 is a brand new mid-range processor. 732G is from 2020, very capable processor, both of them gaming specific, but both of them are seven series. So seven series are those uh, mid-rangers that generally give you flagship experience be between speed, performance, but you still get obviously some of the, the nicer, less power consumption. You're still able to push in higher refresh rate. Now, the F3 kind of jumps in within Snapdragon 870. The 870 is literally the 865 plus with the next level up. So your experience there is more of an 8 series. So much more, I would say, faster processing, everything that you can expect closer to what the 888 can give you at a lower price. So when you look at both of them and you're looking at the specifications and you're saying, okay, so the price point is very similar, understand that the 870 is going to be better than the, 87, than the 780 and the 732G. Uh, now, do you prefer uh, basically Poco's uh, approach? I mean, they're both using obviously Xiaomi's uh, MIUI, so it's not really very far, but Poco likes to do a little bit of customizations in their uh, launchers. So if you like Poco's approach or do you like just a standard Mi approach from Xiaomi, 
I think it's both going to be basically easy to pick from. I would probably push and say that the F3 would be a better performer for you, mostly because uh, you're going with those type of uh, that type of processor. The 870 is just going to run much better for you, thermally, uh, performance-wise, and overall just longevity. It's a it's a very good processor, and of course supports 5G as well. So hopefully that answers that question. Dominic's coming back in with there. Um, I'm interested to see what uh, what Whitechapel brings, uh, but Google phones seem to be not not to be very reliable. Uh, so I'm not sure when you say reliable, Dominic. I'm I, I'm not sure if you mean availability or do you mean actually performance. Uh, I can say this much: the last push update that we got on the Pixel Five from Google definitely was a very GPU forward uh, improvement uh, level there. So they are working on improving the performance on the uh, on, not on the main line, but on the Pixel devices. So over time, your approach, your your Google's approach is always going to be the most minimalistic to Android. And what I mean by this is the least amount of customizations that basically slow down the system where they've been able to run with much, you know, with less amount of RAM uh, and more cleaner experience. So that's the whole stock Android experience, right? Um, but the thing that you want to keep in mind is you need to pick the right pixel for what you need. Uh, I feel like last year was a different shift in approach. They weren't trying to go for the flagship. They went down specifically for the 7 Series. And the 765 is a very good processor. We'll see what, what Chapel has to do. I feel like the approach to this needs to be improving what they had from last year, bring back the neural core, get better battery performance, and of course, overall optimizations with after Android 12. So we know that Android 12 overall, from the beginning, even with the developer preview, has had no issues. There's no hiccups, there's no problems, and it just literally keeps going and keeps going. So it's been working great. And we're down to like the second update on the second developer preview. And by uh, by Google I.O., we are going to be getting basically the beta. So the beta is coming out in less than a month. So people are going to be able to start testing uh, this in more of a beta form as opposed to a developer preview. And typically the easy way to say this is you can actually opt into the beta online and get it as an OTA as opposed to with the beta, uh, with the developer preview, you have to unlock your bootloader and, and install it or sideload it uh, during doing that, uh, that process because you are installing something that isn't essentially fully baked. Is, is that the best way to say it for developers? But it's making it better. So hopefully that helps. Um, Davin Davis, uh, okay. So the reason why Google uh, went with Samsung is because of their experience with doing custom cores. Uh, remember, Samsung did uh, uh, the uh, the Mongoose GPUs. So no, no, I, I I totally agree. I think Samsung is the right approach to go with um, to actually help build a special core or a special SOC, a system on the chip for Google. Uh, they create their own. Obviously, they're they they have had experience in this market. Now. Uh, I'm not sure. Obviously, I mean, there's obviously MediaTek. There's other 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 SOC manufacturers out there. But I think as an approach over time, um, you know, with the with the uh, adoption of multi-window or multi-screen um, running two apps at the same time, if you if we all remember, that was a develop that was a feature Samsung developed on their Note line of devices years before Google implemented it as part of Android. So that was a big difference there. Google learned from Samsung. There's a bigger history going on there. So I think it's the right decision. My concern always ends up being is that we're not bringing in some of the concerns that we had with the, uh, with uh, sorry, with uh, the Exynos, uh, last two generations of the Exynos processor over to Whitechapel. Those are the things that I'm, that I'm wondering. But Again, we hope that all, a lot of the stuff could be, you know, worked out before the production, so that they're able to test out, and then, of course, uh, use history as a good lesson to be able to improve things with it. Hopefully, that kind of gets it there. Um, 
the Pixel Five is is it is absolutely reliable. The last uh, I don't, Joe, did you? I'm assuming you got the the last update of, as well, of course. Uh, <laughs> Joe, the Pixel Man, Matt Tyler's in the chat. Good morning, man. Sabaho, man. Hope you're doing well. Oh uh, man, it's 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 been a week. It's been a week, definitely for sure. Um, here, so uh, will tablets in Android? Sorry, will tablets on Android improve having good uh, allocate? Uh, sorry, allocation over the market, uh, like the iPad. Why is there less? Uh, uh, consumption uh, comparing to apples uh so I, I i feel like i understand the question that you're going to uh, going with so um android tablets haven't picked up as much as the ipads because for the most part every single one of them was trying to be an ipad now i can tell you this much samsung has gotten a lot better with their uh tab s7s so the s7 plus like the one i use here i feel like this is actually a good comparison for me this is a good tool for me that i would not basically think twice about using the ipad that i have and the reason behind that is because the pen that it has, it works perfectly fine. Uh, it has the ability of using DeX on an external de display or even DeX on itself. The ability of turning this into a laptop. There's a whole bunch of things being done. But unfortunately, this is not a typical experience of what we see from you know tablets that are running Android as an operating system. Most of the tablets that we see from Android are typically more entry level, uh, very much just giving you a larger display than what you typically get on your smartphone and nothing very focused heavy on Android. Uh, Google stopped developing Android version or the specific version of Android to run on tablets when they stopped selling their tablets. So what you're seeing there is an adaptation from manufacturers of using uh, Android as an operating system and adapting them themselves. Samsung's have had many years to be able to provide you a better experience, but you obviously have to pay a little bit more on that for the for the premium price, which I feel like not everybody jumps on. They typically go for more the two, maybe three hundred, even less when it comes down to tablets, and the experience is very much uh, parallel to that. Um, Apple, although very different in their approach, even their entry level, the iPad Air or any of their lower end uh, model iPads, still perform very closely at a high level because they are able to get that at the performance right. Apple controls the hardware and the processing power and everything. So there's that big ecosystem that you find in there, which some people still appreciate. Uh, we also have a very heavy uh, Apple-centric development uh, support where people, you know, companies and OEMs, or not OEM and developers, are primarily focusing on tablet users that are iPad users that we're not getting very much optimized apps on Android. So we need to get those things kind of coming out. So um, the short answer is it's... It, let's just say this apple has a more optimized uh, ecosystem to build around where android is you'll get one tablet from a company every once in a while but it's not a consistent product like you don't see them releasing a specific tablet outside of samsung every year specifically to compete with it so that's just typically what it is uh, and i think we just need to kind of understand that i would probably say use a smartphone that has a much bigger display let's say the you know like the, the here what we have with the OnePlus 9 Pro uh, or even the Mi 11 Ultra. And, you know, I would say they're getting close to tablet size. I mean, most of them, like these two are what 6.7 and 6.8 inches. I mean, one two, one or two inches shorter of a seven, uh, a seven inch display, which is typically the small size tablets. So hopefully that answered that question for you. Uh, yeah, Joe definitely did get the update. Um, Oh, here, back with ER. Uh, for Samsung and Google to release a watch with Wear OS later this year, uh, there has to be a major update coming from Wear OS. Absolutely. It has to be marked with some type of a major improvement overall. I think we're still, a lot of smartwatches are still waiting for the MR, uh, the, I was going to say the MR2 update from, for Wear OS, which I think, at least for me, my tick watch still hasn't received that update. So 
I'm hoping, yeah, no, definitely more improvements, uh, better better improvements over battery life, and if, and if nothing else, again, connectivity, consistent connectivity with smartphones, no disconnects, no no miss uh, miss issues in there. Um, I love the fact that Wear OS still supports Google Assistant. I mean, with any time we get a smartwatch or any kind of ecosystem that doesn't support the Assistant or doesn't support the option of adding something like that, those are things that you want to keep in mind. Like, is this something that you want to be able to use? So. Keep that in mind when you're looking at what Samsung has to bring into it. Uh, Samsung started with Android on their watches and went over to Tizen with their second watch, and now potentially coming back to uh, to, uh, to Wear OS. Will they support that on their older generation smartwatches? Probably not. Uh, but again, hopefully we'll be able to see a big change there as well. Let me see here. Uh, in my opinion, the Pixel 4 XL 18 months later is still the beast. Yes, absolutely. Uh, ER, hands down, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Joe and everybody in the chat will agree with you. Uh, very, very much. I mean, it, it's weird. Like Whitechapel is really competing with the Pixel 4 more than it's competing with the Pixel 5 as a successor, as a true successor as a smartphone. Uh, let me see here. Da, da, da. Oh, Chrome OS 90. Okay, so my understanding, Chrome OS 90 is uh, running on Android 11. Uh, better app performance and scaling is coming. Uh, Google, uh, sorry, Google uh, have have up the tam uh, have given up on tablets just to focus more resources on Chrome OS. Absolutely, yes. There, it was exactly the right time where things kind of shifted, where they realized like, why work on a on a tablet version of Android while we already have an existing operating system that we can develop and push forward. Uh, Chromebooks have have come quite a bit since that time. Uh, the incorporation of Android apps, building a better ecosystem, better app management, gesture support, uh, multitasking, a lot of things that have been built into it. And I feel like we need at some point a marriage between Android and Chrome OS on a device. And I mean that more than having Android apps on a Chrome OS. I want basically a phone that launches with Android. You plug in that thing to a, to a display and it turns Chrome OS on. That's the approach that I feel like we're missing. And it's like there, the hardware can do it. It's limited right now, but it's specifically because they don't want to do uh, video output. But I feel like this is something like, seriously, if it has to be developed that that's truly the way to do it, I feel like that's the best way to do it because the hardware can run it. You can definitely run Chrome OS on an X8, uh, on an, basically an Atom-based uh, processor and then still get that uh, very similar experience to what we get with, let's say, Chrome, uh, not Chrome OS, but like DeX or anything like that. Our devices are are very powerful. The 888, the 865, the 855 are all capable. And even 845 can still do that very, very nice job. I, I wasn't necessarily saying that um, it's a it's a down feature. It's more heavy, you know, shift focus, as you said, definitely. Um, oh, Matt, the, the Mi 11 Ultra definitely has my attention. Um, using the Pixel to, uh, to take videos and pictures yesterday uh, for, for my daughter's birthday, uh, <laughs> for my daughter's birthday, uh, thought, uh, okay, so uh, basically makes it that the Pixel is still back. There's no question. Pixel is you pick up, you, you take pictures, you know what you're getting. It's a consistent performer. It's a consistent uh, shooter. Um, even with the Mi 11, though, I would probably say that you probably want to make sure that you're, you're composing the images, you're, you're doing, obviously, your due diligence to use the different sensors. But I would still say, literally, just stick with the back sensors. Nothing's wrong with the front one uh, in the sense of general video chat and, and images, like, you know, if you want to take a quick selfie. But 
I feel like with the front one, I need to work a little bit more at you know composition and light um, because it typically does this, what we've seen with some other smartphones with the front facing sensor. If your background is way bright, so if you're sitting in a very HDR-like experience where the background is way overexposed and you end up being underexposed, it fixes it by bumping up the ISO, exposing you correctly, but then blowing out everything in the back. So what ends up happening behind that is you have a lot of wider, wider images there. So you end up turning on HDR mode there are things to be able to be done there, but I feel like Pixel, you just literally turn, pick it up, take the picture, and it does all of that for you. So Pixel recognizes it, and I feel like Xiaomi, although with their, um, I would say their, their AI options that are built in, uh, they work much better on the back-facing sensor. I mean, we went to a flower garden a couple of days ago, and it was just beautiful. Like, seriously, images are great. Um, actually, I'll, I'll try to post some of those images later on today. Hopefully, you guys will enjoy those as well. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, Matt. I uh, hope the girls had great time. Uh, I love the swag. <laughs> definitely. Uh, very much. Very nice there. Um, the Mi 11 Ultra, does it have dual battery tech like the Oppo, uh, the OnePlus 9 Pro? To my understanding, no. It's 67, The 67 watt charging here is charging a single cell. It's not charging two cells. Uh, but I need to double check on that. Uh, the reason I'm mentioning this in, in all of the material that I've, I've seen, I have not seen them refer to their, to their system as a dual battery charging. Um, it does charge fast, but it's not as fast as a OnePlus 9. Let's just say this much, but it is definitely a lot faster than what we see with Samsung's uh, basically 25 watt charging. So there's a big improvement in charging, uh, but I'm not seeing this crazy speed charging the way we've seen it with, uh, let's say, you know, Oppo and uh, OnePlus, which is literally about 30 minutes from zero to 100%. So hopefully that helps there. Uh, <laughs> Devin Davis, I'm too old school. Um, I like my Android tablet hardware, uh, but uh, but that Google is focusing more on Chrome OS instead. Uh, the Sony Z3 tablet compact was great. Uh, yes, uh, let me just close it there. Um, I think Sony made great tablets. Dude, the the ability of using tablets that literally looked like a massive Xperia was crazy good. Uh, the thin bezels, the display, the glass on glass, the, the overall just look of that tablet was crazy good. Um, I, it, it is something to keep in mind. I mean, at the end of the day, when we're using larger form factor tablets, we need them to be a little bit more productive, especially when you're using them with hardware that is intended to basically run a PC, right? So I agree. Uh, one of the reasons why I like this S7 Plus is the ability of switching between the uh, ecosystems and actually running Chrome OS, not Chrome OS, sorry, um, DeX as the primary operating system, meaning I can actually run the desktop experience on the tablet as well as running it as Android, as well as running it as a separate display. It's those flexible options that you get where I feel like that's what we want from tablets a little bit more. Samsung's pushing it with the Tab S7 Plus. Um, and again, Sony, I, I, as far as I remember, hasn't been making tablets, and I don't think there's any plans of those. Uh, we do have that Sony announcement day, which I just realized this morning, both Sony and TCL are having a thing on the 14th, which is next Wednesday, I think, Wednesday in the middle of the week. And so we're going to have we're going to hear a lot of announcements on Wednesday. Wednesday is going to be a massive busy day announcing uh, and some things from TCL. And of course, we're also going to see some stuff from uh, from Sony. And I'm really hoping that the, the new Xperia, the, you know, the Mach 3, uh, if they name it that way, uh, will obviously push the uh, push us a little bit further in the, you know, uh, better optics because Sony's approach is very different than uh, than some of the other manufacturers. They're focusing to try to give you better images by including better optics on the sensor, larger pixels, better pixels, as opposed to what you're using with some other, you know, pixel binning a lot uh, as far as just getting the, you know, 108 down to a 12 or a 16 megapixel image, uh, you know, basically pixel binning that we're getting there. So we'll have to see what Sony offers, but TCL is also coming in with, with some announcements as well. So we'll see how that goes. Um, 
Yes. So Asus did a good job with that, but Asus still kind of crippled the front-facing experience. Whenever you flip the camera to the front-facing experience, although you're using the same sensor as the when it is in the back, it still turns on desktop, uh, sorry, front-facing mode, which disables 4K. Like it goes back to 1080. I'm not sure if it's by this. I, I don't. I still to this day don't have a specific answer why 1080 is the max on the front. Um, Samsung definitely pushes it. Uh, LG definitely did it uh, with their V60 line. And of course, uh, we've seen it with other manufacturers. I mean, even OnePlus put a 4K, I want to say 4K 60 frames per second on the Nord last year. So that was a big improvement there. Uh, but that was the biggest thing they wanted. They wanted to focus on the front-facing experience for that smartphone. But we need to, we should have that more often. I feel like it's a feature that when you put a 20 megapixel sensor in there that should be able to provide us that experience, I should say use it to its fullest. Uh, but we'll have to see how that goes. We'll have to see also if, if uh, when uh, OnePlus starts using a new sensor for the front-facing camera. Uh, let me see here, David Burns. Uh, uh, David, is the main point TK ran, uh, ran into, man, uh, talk about <laughs> their, uh, oh, the, the canvas for a ride. Yes, no, no, definitely. Uh, let me see, <laughs> fan base. Oh, hey, Rolando's in the chat. Hey, man, hope, hope you guys are doing good. Uh, let me see here. Da, da, da. Uh, the benefit of Chrome OS over, uh, over Android OS is currently Chrome OS runs... Hold on, let me see here. So Chrome OS, uh, Chrome OS version 89 runs Android 9, which essentially is what we're seeing. When they move up to Chrome OS 98, we're going to jump to Android 11. Um, over 117 current Chromebooks will receive updates. So I'm interested to see how the improvements uh, actually from the overall just standard usability ends up being. Uh, and do we actually get some of those improvements on some of the older Chromebooks, especially the ones that are running older hardware? Um, I think our Chromebook, if I'm not mistaken, is still running an i5. I have my personally Pixelbook uh, Go from last year is also on the i5 model. So I want to see some improvements in fluidity and overall performance. So we'll, we'll have to see how that comes out very, very soon. Uh, but I think uh, we've... Oh, okay, so one last one here from Dalit Lucino is asking, uh, TK, in your opinion, um, if, you see, uh, if you aren't using a phone much, like 12 hours, say in a day, is it the best stuff? Sh uh, shut off the, oh, for battery or leave it on? Um, so there's a couple of things I would keep in mind. So obviously connectivity, making sure that you're connected, you're able to be reached. There's those functions that you keep the phone on for the, for those specific reasons. Because if you shut it off, you won't be able to get reached. So nobody can call you and so on. If you're using the phone primarily for media and you're not using it as your primary phone call, so let's say you have a secondary phone, this is what you're using. Uh, typically shutting it off is actually much better because you do save some battery. It still depreciates the battery ever so slightly. It's a much lower rate because the phone automatically does that anyways, even if you're using it or not, uh, but definitely helps in battery uh, longevity of the battery. But if you're expecting any calls or text, I definitely would leave it on. Uh, keep in mind, you know, the, how you use your smartphone will actually be affected by if it's on or off. Uh, but if you depend on content to be able to come through it, meaning messages, notifications, emails, anything like that, um, definitely, yeah, I would not turn it off. So I, I would recommend just uh, keeping it on for whenever you're able to, to use it there. Um, <laughs> uh, my Chrome OS, uh, my Chrome, okay, my Chromebook uh, is old and it never got support for Android apps. Yeah, there was a, they didn't go back uh, to all of the Chromebooks uh, to support it. So mine is an Acer and it's at least, at least, at least, um, I'm going to say, oh man, at least three years, three, maybe four years almost. Um, and it did receive the Android update, uh, the Android app store or the Google Play Store support function, but it received it way late. Like I almost didn't think it was going to get it and, it and it did. So we'll have to see how that goes.
uh okay back to watches i liked the way chemi's thinking because that's what i was trying to do i was trying to shift over um uh and then trying to give you guys a quick uh, hold on let me see here i do have some notification okay so <laughs> No, it's not a phone. I, I wish it was a phone coming in, but my uh, my phone is blowing up with notifications because that's how phones do it. Okay, so let's go ahead and move some things here. So we're going to take a next... Oh, wow, it's been an hour. I could... Okay, time flies. So let's go ahead and switch over real quick to the OnePlus watch. Let's say switch over up here. And so you guys have seen it. I've been wearing it. Uh, sorry, that's just the Mi 11 box. I'm just going to have that a little bit off the off to the side. Uh, the box itself is very similar to what we've seen with other OnePlus watches or other devices. Um, and of course, uh, the information, if I'm not mistaken here, uh, let's just do this. Uh, you could see it right there. So uh, product again, uh, it's IP65 uh, rated. You are, from what they said, it's a midnight black color is the one I have. Uh, charging input is going to be a 5 watt and 1 amp. That's going to be with the charger that you get in the box. And of course, uh, OnePlus design It's going to be available for about 150 bucks very, very soon, be able to be picked up. So uh, here is basically just the OnePlus technology, the naming and all the information there. Uh, we have OnePlus on the side, OnePlus watch, OnePlus, OnePlus. And that's it. And then the band on the back. Um, now, let's see if we can do this without. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I thought we were going to have some product issues there. Okay, so um, opening it up, not much. Anything else is open here on the back. Let's go ahead and put this aside. Don't need a keyboard in the middle of this conversation. Uh, so here's the watch overall. Uh, sorry, Jamie, let me go ahead and just put the. the da, da, ha, let's go. Take that way. So um, the aesthetics overall, it does have, it, it comes with its own band. I've been using it. Obviously, you can kind of see here some of my um, my arm thing. Uh, the band is easily removed, very easy to put on, very easy to remove. And um, actually, it's one of their nicer bands. I like the band that they support here. So let's go ahead and make sure it's in there. Fits very nicely. Uh, the pin, the connector that we have in here, let me just go ahead and open it up. So nothing much here. There's nothing in there as well. We have some typical material as we typically have. So some information, never settle, both. Let me see. Oh, okay. So there's multiple languages. I think that's what this is. Yeah. So essentially, uh, oh, here. So we have the safety and warranty and the let's get started and nothing else in there. And of course, let's see if we can get this guy out. Here we are. Um, it is a USB style charger. Oh, I see. Let's see. Can we do this? And here we are. So USB-A charger plugs into almost anything that you want. And of course, the OnePlus charger has the word OnePlus on it. Let's go ahead and bring this up. And you can see it right there. Uh, it is magnetic. So you can definitely see the watch will magnetically clamp to this. And it has a soft material on the back. So when you're putting it on the table, this is not going to scratch anything. Although... Take that back. It's magnetic on both sides. So when you're, what I really like about this, um, a lot of, a lot of companies that make smartwatches, they uh, they do a really nice thing on them is the ability of actually allowing the back of the watch itself or the back of the charger to be magnetic. And what I mean is, you plug this into, let's say, a, a power bank or even a hub that's sitting behind the monitor or something like that for better wire management. When you're done with this, you literally just put it under the table and magnetically connect it to the leg of one of the, one of the tables that you're on. And it helps to keep the charger away so you don't have to worry about it. But from a sense of what it does, uh, you can definitely see it right there. Here you go. It, it clamps it, works really nicely. 
and um, it is very much uh, going to be the way we charge it. So overall, best performance as far as it comes there. Let's switch over. Um, and I think that was it. The box itself doesn't have a lot. This just says basically designed by OnePlus. You can kind of see it right there on the left, OnePlus watch. Uh, there's only one size. There is going to be multiple versions of the OnePlus watch. So if I'm not mistaken, uh, there's going to be that special edition one. This is not it. Uh, this is the regular edition one. The special edition one, I think, was going to be available later, uh, if I remember the announcement correctly. Uh, but other than that, oops, sorry, we'll put that in here. Uh, we'll put that in here, and then we'll fix that later. So we'll put that aside. And so, again, charger works pretty much the way you expect it. Uh, let's go ahead and turn it on. Okay, give it a second. You see the OnePlus logo come up right there. And I don't know if I'm able to kind of show this to you guys. Hopefully I can show it. Um, so you can kind of see it. The word OnePlus is very much on the top button there. The bottom button doesn't have any wording on it, but the top button has the word OnePlus on it. And um, as far as the actual uh, watch itself, you notice right there, uh, it's very simple, very easy, very large. So let's go ahead and put it off. And so this is my T-Rex. This is the Amazfit uh, T-Rex. It's a larger watch, but the bezels on this obviously a lot bigger. This one, very easy, just fits. And for me, it actually fits very nicely, so we can just put it down. Uh, you are able to basically put the strap in, in once, clamp it, so get the fit that you want. So you have the fit right there, and then you just tuck it in ever so nicely under. So it fits very clean, very easy. And it works as a double security option so that you don't have a way of actually, it has to unhook from here first, then here for it to fall off your wrist. And then when you have it on, you just basically bring it up and it works uh, perfectly. Uh, let me see if I can, here we are. Let's see. Okay, so we're starting it up this, the the option there. So from from aesthetics, I think overall it looks very nice, and it does have obviously the tilt awake, very good. You have the step counter, uh, the ability of basically checking your information. It does sync with this with an app directly on your phone. Uh, there is um, options and other things that you can do um, on the phone, obviously to be able to customize it. Um, and I think overall, it, from what I for. Initial impressions of this, actually, uh, definitely, I like the aesthetics. I like the look of the watch. I like the fact that it obviously is a larger size watch, that it's not a smaller form factor. Um, I've seen other watches on the market that do typically will end up doing that, where they kind of get us into a smaller version. Um, <laughs> see, notifications, always, always notifications. I got to put the watch back in. So I'm finishing my review on the Amaze Fit. Hopefully, the T-Rex should be coming out, hopefully, on Monday, uh, maybe Tuesday at the latest. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I'm going to be working on the OnePlus watch uh, as well for you guys. I know a lot of people like it. Uh, and oh, for reference, the case that we have here, this this case is actually a OnePlus uh, original case. That's on their website, uh, their robot case. Oops, sorry, put it back. Come on. Here we go. Very nice. Very, um, very much futuristic. And it matches with the Hasselblad silver color on the on the phone that I got there. Um, okay. Yeah, if you if you search the web, I think they have uh, a list. Uh, a list of already all the Chromebooks getting the update. Okay, that's good. Okay, thank you, ER. All right, sorry. Let me see what we have here. Uh, electric, electric watches. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, Marius, I'm not sure what, what, what you mean by that one. Um, time flies when you're having fun. You know, every single time we have a live stream, man, every single time. And on, on Wednesday, I don't know if you guys had a chance to catch it. Um, I had another live stream or another uh, collaboration with Sony um, and video makers this time. This was actually a different organization. It wasn't on Sony's own live stream, like the B Alpha event, but uh, video makers has a, a live stream on obviously live streaming. Um, and they, uh, Sony invited me to be part of the show. So I was very happy to be able to share with them. And that's why we had the Xperia Pro with us. 
and I really found it very nice, like the overall experience for what we got uh, from that show. And even though it was an hour show, it truly felt like five minutes. Like I was managing my time to a very hard T. Like uh, it's it's um, like if I was too old, I didn't want to um, cover too much. I didn't want to talk too much because I didn't want to jump over the Q&A sessions. I didn't want to jump over when the gentleman from Sony was coming back. So I wanted to get everything kind of like working in, the, in that order. And it felt like a big challenge there. So very nice. Um, let me see. Oh, George is jumping back to Davin here. Uh, no solar panel. Uh, I'm no, I, I, no, no solar panel information at all. Uh, currently using the Mi Band Five. Yes. So Xiaomi also announced the Mi Band Six, which I'm I, I don't have access to yet, but I'm hoping at some point I will. Um, uh, and I've never used Android-based watches, so so my my eyes are uh, are more of on on the Pixel Watch. So we'll have to see. Yeah. No, no, definitely. I think the Pixel Watch has a lot of things to offer. Uh, or at least uh, a lot of expectations to meet uh, because it's it's the watch that comes from the company that makes or that, that basically is the same company that uh, releases the software updates for the watch. So we would expect that the watch would have the best experience when it comes down to performance. And I think that's why the expectations are a little bit higher. Um, uh, let me see here. Mechano... Uh, <laughs> uh, Mechanical automatic automatic watches rule. Fight me, <laughs> Gary. Uh, you know there there is a thing to be said about timepieces, and of course, uh, mechanical watches will always uh, outlive, I guess, in too many ways, smartwatches because of the the fact that they're just sheerly mechanical. You just you can wind them, you can use them. Uh, but I feel like we want to be able to see some a nice combination or somewhat of a middle line. I mean, we're going with either full-blown smartwatches to full-blown mechanical. We need better options in the middle where it's a mechanical watch with some smart options. We've seen a few of them, uh, but they fell a little bit short as far as what you can do with them. I, I think a smartwatch needs to give like features like notifications, health tracking, and so on. But you should be able to still see that information on the watch. And when we get that combination, we lose those. So hopefully we'll see something new. Um, I, I recently ordered the GT2 Pro watch from Huawei, and um, I'm hoping it'll be a good watch. Uh, have you tried it? I haven't tried the GT2 uh, Pro, but I've used the Huawei Watch 2. And seriously, very nice watch. Very The design is very good. Battery life was a very long and very, um, I think overall that was the biggest surprise that I had, uh, how long the battery lasted. Um, but it does have some things that I'm hoping that by the, G, uh, by the hopefully by the time you get the GT2 uh, Pro, um, they've improved the notification function, at least to support more applications, because that was one of my things when I, with the, the Huawei watch, it's like that we would get so much notifications and a certain number of those notifications just show up as app. Like it doesn't say what it is um, and it doesn't have the right icon and everything looks the same. So if you're, you're looking at the watch, you get a notification. Um, typically the first thing you do is you want to see what app is providing that notification. If it's important, if it's not, if it's just the weather, I see weather, I turn around and I can move forward. But if I see that it's, let's say coming from Instagram messages, if it's coming from, uh, you know, email or whatever, then I want to pay attention to it. And I felt like while we watches at, weren't able to do all of that, it was more, I felt like it was more of a fitness watch, uh, in a smartwatch body than it was smartwatch in a smartwatch body. If that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, Oops, I think I jumped like a thousand email, a thousand messages there. Uh, let me see here. Uh, da, da, da. More smartwatches. Okay, so most smartwatches are uh, fifty to fifty-four millimeters um, on the bezel. It they're they're very they're like I said, depending on the on the on the watch and the maker, you are going to be able to get different options. Uh, and mechanicals can get actually very big. Uh, and so it depends on the design that you're going for. Um, 
What kind of battery life are you uh, are you expecting? Uh, for, so OnePlus Watch is advertising two weeks of battery life. I haven't been able to actually get uh, my full testing on it yet. Uh, I've had it for literally a couple of days, so I, I really can't attest to that level yet. Uh, hopefully, by the time my review goes up, I'll have I'll be able to can give you guys a good understanding as how my, how is the battery performance and so on and how that things going on. Uh, at this point, it's it's one of those. Uh, I would probably say it's 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 a very it's a very acceptable time when you say two weeks now because we've seen so many other watches on the market do this so oneplus is definitely uh, trying to give you more of the longer range of battery um when it comes to experience uh, but again uh, hopefully i'll be able to cover all of that for you guys in the in the review as well um oops sorry uh dominic no wait did i miss it here oh davin davis had this one um tk didn't google try this before with the lg watch style um I think I'm trying to remember the LG. I, I want to say they did, but I, I don't remember how well that the, the L, uh, LG watches did. Um, I think LG did have a few watches released. At, uh, I mean, over the years, but again, Wear OS as, as an operating system is, is just one of those. Um, I personally appreciate it. I like what Wear OS does, but I feel like any smartwatch that comes out with Wear OS needs to have a minimum of one gig of RAM. TickWatch has learned over year over the years to provide us that better experience. The one gig of RAM absolutely kicks, and marry that with the new uh, Wear uh, forty one hundred Opera, uh, you know SOC from Qualcomm, then you're going to be getting a very good experience. But unfortunately, not every smartwatch that comes out comes out with those specifications, and uh, there are quite a few options on the market right now that I feel like, again, are not true smartwatches to what you think of a smartwatch. You have to understand what you're looking for. So uh, long battery life is a big plus. I'm hoping Samsung and Google can provide that to us and still keep the Wear OS functionality that we're looking for. Hopefully that makes sense there. Um, Oh, wait, hold on a second. Uh, uh, Dominic saying, uh, it's ridiculous. They're charging a thousand euros for the V60. Whoa, whoa okay, that is a very high price. Um, I would probably say I've seen it on Swappa for a lot less. Obviously, it's used. Um, I did check uh, T-Mobile's website this morning. And you know what? Surprisingly enough, they're still selling it for full retail price. I mean, LG exiting the, the, the business of producing more content doesn't mean that older generation smartphones are not going to be uh, still valued. Keep in mind that carriers, if you're buying it from a carrier, the carriers committed to the original price. They didn't commit to a lower price at a different time. They're no longer making these. So as time goes on, the price will go down. I don't think it's an instantaneous, the moment the announcement came out on Monday, then you see slashing the pricing everywhere. You know, LG announced on Wednesday, I think, or Thursday, they're still going to support software. Android 11 is being currently pushed to the LG Velvet in the US. So they're not totally out of the software side. They're, they're still going on. So their devices will still get some love for quite some time. It's just that we're not going to see any new devices in 2021, at least not in the current time under the current uh, ecosystem that was built in by LG. Um, uh, okay, let me see here. Uh, Samsung Galaxy uh, is a Samsung. Okay, so um, here, Abdulaziz is asking an interesting question. So he's asking it in Arabic, so I'll, I'll answer it in both English and Arabic. Uh, but I'll answer it in English first. Uh, Abdulaziz, just stay with me. I'll be a high-level English. So um, yes, the Galaxy Watch that I've used with Samsung is very nice. Uh, Tizen OS works very well. Battery life was consistent. A solid four days worth of battery life on that on the Galaxy Watch. Large frame. We had the uh, you know turnstile bezel. There's a lot of things that I liked about the Galaxy Watch. And then when we move over to the active line of watches or even the Galaxy Watch Three, we have a lot of those things. I mean, Samsung learned and fine tuned the experience on the Galaxy Watch over years. Um, 
it works great. And I would recommend it for anybody looking for a smartwatch, especially if you're using a Samsung device. But it, again, it works with anything uh, outside of Samsung. So you can use it with Android, iOS. Uh, and of course, it works with any other Android device. Um, so just real quick for uh, for Abdul Aziz just to kind of answer him in the question. Um, um, so hopefully that that gets it there. Um, Legend Ope, uh, where where are you from? Uh, a little bit of background. Uh, born and raised in Lebanon, speak Arabic, uh, and uh, been living here for a long, long time. So, uh, but I live in the U.S., so maybe that helps. Uh, hopefully, that helps a little bit more. Uh, and I also speak French, but uh, I don't typically get a lot of French questions. Uh, Davin is jumping back in there. TK, I loved Android Wear uh, where when uh, when then Google fell asleep. Okay, so I loved Android Wear, but then Google fell asleep uh, when they uh, shifted when they uh, when they shifted it to Wear OS. Even with Mobvoi, I still haven't seen anything to pull me back. So I, I probably would say if you haven't checked Mobvoi since the Pro of last year, the so the uh, the uh, the TicWatch Pro 2020. Um, and obviously the 2020, uh, the 2021 with the new Wear OS 4100. I, I really think that tick, uh, Mobboy has shifted the the approach to this. Mobboy's approach is, I feel like, the smartest one on the market to date when it comes to Wear OS smartwatches. And the benefit there is that dual display tech, the ability of using a low power black and white, basically an, uh, like you know an e ink almost a display on the top where your watch sits in in most of the time saves you so much power and you're able to extend the battery. And then you're also able to sh push it even further if you just want to use that face and not even worry about the smart functionality for all, all of them at least other than the step counter, I think. Uh, you're able to push it all the way close to almost a month. Like the battery life can go crazy long. So those are things that I feel like Mobvoi is doing well. But I think not every smartwatch is going to come out with that operating with that with that specific uh, SOC, and not every uh, manufacturer is putting in one gig. I feel like when they went to one gig, even with the thirty one hundred from last year, or even the twenty four hundred uh, from before when they were using it, the moment they put more RAM, the OS ran better. Uh, tr transitioning between pages, opening up apps, uh, just using the assistant, all of those things kind of worked a lot better. It's hard to pull somebody back when you're comfortable where you are, and that I think typically would say is this. Don't change for the sake of change. Change because you need something that your current situation or your current setup doesn't give you. That's when we want to change. Because when you change for the sake of just changing because of something else, you're typically making a compromise. But if you're changing for a reason, you're typically move, moving towards an improvement into your experience, into your life. And that's what the new piece of hardware is going to provide you. So always use that. And I'm not trying to make it sound like a mantra, but change because you need to change. Don't change because you have to. Sometimes you have to, I'll say that much when, when things kind of go obsolete, but at, at the end of the day, it's one of those things. Let me see here. Uh, Davin. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. Okay, I think I, I, may, have, I may have missed a comment there. Uh, uh, let me see here. Okay, da, da, da. can everyone watching stream please like? The, oh. <laughs> 
please, 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 let's 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 follow Aditya's comment, please. Uh, if you guys can, I would really, really appreciate it. If everybody in the in the stream can please like it, it helps the video and the channel perform better. Absolutely, algorithms are Google's bread and butter, and um, it does definitely help the the channel as well. Uh, <laughs> Vince. Thank you very, very much. Uh, I'm actually very much thankful for everybody in the chat today. We're we're definitely kicking it uh, hard with everybody here, uh, you know, kicking in questions and so on, of course. Um, <laughs> Gary, the fireman. I say the word, I speak French, and he throws in some offers, man. Gary, um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know if I can say this on the live stream. <laughs> it is... Uh, empty no no, 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 no. <laughs> i'm not gonna say that um uh so oliver oliver saying the first time i've ever heard you switch like that damn uh makes me long for the days when i knew when i knew when i know not russian uh it's very it's, it's it's instinctive uh there's if there's something that i appreciated about growing up in lebanon uh, was that as as a country, uh, Lebanon went through a few, through the First and Second World War, just as history, a little bit of background. Lebanon was colonized by both the French and the British at, at some point in time, not at the same time. Only, you know, we can only handle a few guests at the same time. Um, but all joking aside, that influenced the education system that we have in Lebanon. So growing up in, in Lebanon as a, as a just a normal going school, you are raised with both English, French, and Arabic as a language. So you learn those by the time you go through high school, middle school, or graduate. Um, and typically, you can actually also opt in for other additional languages like Italian, Spanish, and so on. So typically, you learn British, English, and French, uh, per, uh, French Parisian French, because there's also Canadian French. Um, and of course, uh, you are also able to learn other languages. So I grew up with those languages, so that's the reason why I kind of spoke it. Uh, it took me a few years when I first moved to the U.S. because I needed to learn the American English accent, which is very different than the British. Uh, but then once I shifted into that, uh, and of course, since I speak Arabic all the time, um, and if you guys probably haven't noticed or if you are not familiar with it, I have both an English and an Arabic channel. So there's TK Bay and then there's Tariq Bay. So I produce content on both of them on a weekly basis. So. Um, it helps me stay connected and, of course, connect with the Arabic language. So, yeah, definitely very easy. Um, and, and switching languages becomes like on the on the dot. You don't even think about it. it uh, just jump back and forth between the two. Uh, but typically, I found more and more lately, though, a lot of my a lot of my fans on the Arabic channel, they were jumping on on my English channel, especially on the live stream on Saturday, because I don't have an Arabic channel uh, live stream weekly yet, which I'm, I'm thinking I may do. But I, I want to think about a little bit more of the timing and when that would be possible a little bit more. Uh uh david yeah so tk um tk calling colonizers guest that's the, that's a gracious way of putting it um when when you don't have when you don't have an option and and uh it, and and yeah it was just there it's it's just part of like i i didn't obviously i didn't grow up during those times uh so for me, I got the end part of it. So that's generally why I refer to them like that. So I wasn't part of it. I didn't. I didn't really go through that 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 conversation. But I can tell you that to this day, Lebanon as a as a country is considered to be a, a pays francophone, which means essentially is a French um, attaché to Paris. There's a very big, heavy influence French uh, influence in Lebanon, and and almost ninety percent, I would say, people that have gone to school know French and English, and they know them quite well. Not just well to like, okay, we you know I took Spanish one year in, in high school, kind of thing, or one semester, kind of thing. It literally like they know it enough to converse with you. So uh, it is very very much a very interesting uh, approach to things in the past. Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, Darim is jumping in with the hard-hitting questions. OnePlus watch versus the OnePlus uh, Oppo watch. 
So Oppo Watch came out last year. Um, there's two versions of it. The one I have, I still have mine actually, which is really, really nice. And I definitely want to focus on those. Yeah, between the two. Um, if there's anything to be said, at least right now, the design on, on the OnePlus Watch is closer to what we typically think of, the circular design, where I felt like the Oppo Watch is very much geared towards what the Apple Watch was doing with more of an Android-esque aesthetic to it. Both watches, obviously, uh, you know, app, the Apple Watch ecosystem is a very heavy Apple specific. Uh, the OnePlus watch and Oppo watches are obviously trying to focus more for Android users, but I feel like they they, they should. I don't actually know if OnePlus is going to support iOS. I know at least, um, you know, so I can't really speak too much on that part. Short answer. Once the review for the OnePlus Watch comes out, I'll definitely be focusing on doing a video on both the Oppo Watch and the OnePlus Watch because I feel like it's still a decent experience. Uh, both are smartwatches that are from companies that are under the BBK uh, umbrella, uh, but we'll hopefully be able to see what they offer us there as well. Uh, Aditya and Dominic. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Sabaho. Ranesh. Hey, man. Sabaho, man. Uh, Jermaine is in the chat. Good morning. Uh, uh, or... Uh, Okay, here's a good system uh, we use to English and Dutch um, and are, uh, are a must, but French and German are often uh, a part of it as well. I know six languages, not really though, uh, could have tried uh, Mandarin uh, <laughs> as well. Um, actually, surprisingly, Germany, th that part of the world, when you go to like Germany, Switzerland, uh, a little bit northern uh, France, closer to Germany, uh, you get a little bit different languages and different dialects. Like I know when I went to Switzerland, uh, there's the there's the Dutch speaking, there's the Swiss speaking, and there's the German, and then there's the French speaking. So I've done well in uh, in Switzerland, like even just going around, most people speak at least two to three languages, and I love that. Um, languages are an amazing way to open doors, and I and I mean this because um, you are truly experiencing another culture. When you go to other places, when you go to play, uh, countries and so on, and you only speak your language, or let's say you speak English, um, mostly because of the international part, but you're truly experiencing it to that level, really, to truly understand, understand things, how go in the background. Um, when you know the language, when you know a little bit of the, the history, the mannerism, the, the, the traditions and stuff like that, it helps understand and appreciate cultures a little bit more when you go in there. Now, I'm not saying go learn the language anytime you want to go travel anywhere. But I mean to say is because I was obviously able to learn those languages growing up, I was more appreciative of the French culture when I lived uh, I, for a short amount of time. Um, and of course, when I visit Germany, UK, Switzerland, um, Geneva, anywhere, or even when I go to Spain, I appreciate the culture uh, even more because I understand some of their language. And I do speak some, some Spanish as well. That's mostly because of living in California. So yes, uh, Jermaine, I am with you. Uh, languages are amazing uh, as, as, as always. Uh, let me see here. I think we're getting... Uh, Da, da, da. Let me see here. Da, da. I think people are starting answering. Um, oh, Oliver's in this. So I'm in a Germany trip right now on a work trip, uh, and I met five people that can converse. <laughs> that converse with me. Uh, depends on the part. So depends on where you are in Germany. You are going to be in parts of the country that does not speak English, and I also learned that one very, very, very quickly from my few visits that I've been specifically in Berlin in Munich. Uh, the, in touristy areas, there's not going to be a problem. But if you go, let's say, to a town, uh, like Munich is also a big example of that. It's big enough that is there is parts of it that are tourist area specific. Like if you're going to uh, like uh, convention centers and so on, you should be able to be fine there. But you are going to be hitting some stores, local stores that don't speak a single word of English. Uh, and I don't think they want to. That's the other thing. I think it's a pride in, in culture and language. So those are times that, you know, a good translator can help. And of course, or try to learn at least some conversational German, um, which also helps. And 
German is not as hard as people think it is, uh, but it definitely is uh, sounds harder uh, than English when you're speaking it. Um, Sharky uh, one sixty five saying, "TK uh, Aditya uh, Dominic, so uh, would it be hard for for for, for a slight uh, Hebrew speak to learn Arabic uh, moderately, let, let alone fluently?" It's hard. It's hard for me to tell since I don't speak Hebrew. But I can tell you, at least from a third person's perspective, because it was told to me many times, is that Hebrew and Arabic sound very close to each other from a third person, not from mine, because I understand half of it. Um, so it's hard to tell. But I would imagine that we have enough of the um, the harder letters in Arabic if you're able to say them in Hebrew uh, and obviously in, when you speak in Hebrew, that I would imagine them wouldn't be as, as hard for you to enunciate them because that's the hardest thing for me about trying to learn Chinese. It's the the certain letters, especially Cantonese, which has different tonal changes, which mean totally different things. So culture and languages are always a, a thing that I would say is if you're interested enough and you have the time, it's definitely worth the while. Always, always worthwhile. Uh, yeah, yeah, so Aditya is with there as well. Understanding the local language is really beautiful. I totally agree. It helped me understand the local culture much, much better, of course. And also, I feel like people are a little bit more frank when they're talking to you in their na native language than when they speak to you in a, in a foreign language, because there's that limitation of vocabulary. They may not be 100% fluent in English, and we typically see that sometimes, and it does change the conversations. Like uh, The word lost in translation is a big factor in that conversation. Uh, <laughs> always. Uh, all of... <laughs> uh, okay, this... Karschruf. Uh, yeah, that one's a tough one to say. I don't know how to say that one. <laughs> um, in Germany, a lot of people refuse to speak English, though, uh, which is true. Uh, worked at a gas station for a lot of German uh, truckers. They often refuse, but then, <laughs> but but knew it. Uh, it is. It's a very big pride in language, and um, like I said, it, it it helps understand and appreciate a little bit more. But um, in my travels to Germany, I've been to places where it was like small towns where literally nobody spoke a word of English and Google Translate was literally my lifesaver because uh, I learned for the first time that mooncake is not what I thought it was. Google's listening. Always. No. Um, uh, so apparently uh, a poppy seed uh, uh, cake in Germany, what they refer to as a mooncake, uh, is not what you think it is. It's obviously it's poppy seed. So the translation from English to German for poppy seed to moon, didn't realize it until I turned in uh, the, the translator. And I'm like, oh, this is poppy seed. I'm like, what is moon? I'm like, I don't know what it is. Um, I'm learning uh, Dothraki. <laughs> Gary the fireman getting ready for, uh, what is it got? The next season of Game of Thrones. is uh, He's getting up there. Dothraki. Uh, to speak uh, to speak to Khaleesi, Gar Gary and, and Khaleesi. Uh, well, I guess we're going to see if will Khaleesi resurrect. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see if they're able to bring uh, Khaleesi, the mother of dragon. Always, always. Uh, and in the UK, it's amazing too. There's so many cultures as well. Uh, I love the the just the the. I want to say the Schmorgesborg, uh, the Schmorgesborg of everybody uh, in in the um, in the UK. When you go to places and different places to eat, you see so many cultures and so many people, which is always always good. Um, uh, Golan Lavi says shalom from Israel. Welcome, welcome. Uh, and uh, yes, yes, Muslim, alhamdulillah. Uh, Ram oh, speaking of which, Ramadan starts in two days or three days. I forget. Starting in a few more days. Um, and and what I mean by that is, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, what I mean essentially is that in a couple of days or so, obviously Ramadan starts, as you guys know, typically every year, you know, so we're going to start fasting and so on. Um, so you may not see me drinking any water uh, in 
the next few shows, or at least even, um, and also the show with uh, Juan Carlos on Thursdays. I want to talk a little bit to him. Maybe we may be moving it a little bit earlier uh, just to accommodate the timing a little bit because uh, I can't stay up till 11 or close to midnight every time we have the show, at least for us, because timing for us is a little bit different here. Uh, man, always, always. Uh, Long line and accent is, uh, is its own monster, as is in the, Bro the Brooklyn accent. You got to speak with the Brooklyn accent, right? Like right there. You got to emphasize that there, you know, water, water, all of those things. Um, you got to learn how to do dialects. I, and I feel like Arabic people, or at least the Slovenese people, can can do dialects very well. I love dialects. Um, ER is just saying, just as a heads up, uh, with all the Ramadan starting Tuesday, Wednesdays, uh, it would most likely be uh, missing a lot of the content uh, over the coming months as uh, we'll be busy with the schedule uh, and will be hectic just to, uh, just as a heads up. No, it, it, is, it does change a little bit of things, at least uh, for a, a lot of us. But at least for me, I end up having to wake up a lot earlier in the morning than I typically do. And um, it does tend to kind of wear me out at the end of the day. So there's shift in, uh, in approach and a little bit during the time. But uh, the, the Saturday morning show, I think, typically doesn't usually have any issues. Uh, is And it's more on with at night because I have to wake up so early, I can't stay up so late. That's the kind of, you know, and it's not like I can skip a day. So we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes. And I'm, I'm very, very excited to see how things go. Hey, Greg is in the chat, man. Good morning. So. Uh, what I would probably say, I think, at the heaviest part, um, realistically, so within, let's just say this: you're going to want to, you're going to wait, you're going to want to wait for the the OnePlus Watch review. It's is there's a lot of good things going on. There's a lot of things that I feel like I think OnePlus is trying to do well. Um, I can't really again give a main any main opinions on it yet. It's still just literally too early. I don't have I haven't had it that that long, um, but I've also been heavily focusing on the uh, the Mi 11 Ultra. Um, I will say this much: I took it in the pool, and it survived as expected. Um, I'm debating actually. Maybe you guys can let me know in the comments. Would you think a video about? And if you guys probably don't remember them, I, I it depends on how long you you guys have been uh, following the channel. I I used to do videos with Omar where whenever a phone comes out, like a brand new flagship and so on, and it's typically considered to be like, you know, uh, Samsung, OnePlus, and so on, I would do a pool test. We would go into pool and we would play a fun, you know, obviously not deep diving, you know, submarine level stuff, um, but just taking the phone and having fun around the pool. I say, you know, you're with the kids, with the family, you want to be able to jump in the water, take some pictures, some videos, and so on, things like that. Um, and I did shoot the content for it, and I'm actually a little bit debating if I want to release that video, or is it something that people would find uh, helpful? So if you guys can let me know if you think that there would be something that you guys would like to check out. Uh, if you want to exactly know what it is, if you just Google TK Bay waterproof test or water test or pool test, you'll find a whole bunch of my videos. Uh, again, I still get comments to this day about people asking about them. Um, although I will say this much. Um, any device that that uh, advertises an IP68 certification, a certain resistance to water, uh, submerging up to 30 minutes, you know, I think it's like one meter up to 30 minutes for cert certain devices, um, you want to keep a couple of things in mind. Make sure your device is absolutely free of any damage. And I'm talking about even accidental dropping on the floor, any kind of cracks, dings, or anything on the phone that could compromise the structural integrity of your phone. That happens. The IP rating to a certain point kind of stops, starts degrading from what you originally expected. So if it was a 10, when you take it out of the box, brand new from the manufacturer, it reduces that uh, structural integrity and getting in the pool and doing things like that without any protection could potentially damage your phone. So do not try that. Do not. I, I, the videos are not intended to tell people go have fun in the pool kind of thing. But it's more so of the, if you happen to have a splash on it, if you happen to get in there and somebody let's say, drops you in the pool, you get out of the pool, the phone's going to survive. Take it out, get the water out, you're fine. 
uh, it's more so to that to that approach but it's also kind of for omar and i to have a little bit of fun things are starting to open up again we've been locked up for so long and it's nice to actually kind of check it out but would love to actually uh hear what you guys uh, think about those as well um dominic wanda <laughs> everybody in there uh oh man greg hey greg is in there as well oh aditya always always uh thank you man thank you very very much uh take care of yourself uh buddy during ramadan uh, do not burn yourself uh, we appreciate it and uh, want to watch a very healthy uh, yeah no i appreciate it man uh, it's uh, ramadan surprisingly does a very it does a very nice it has a very nice calming effect uh, when you focus heavily on trying to basically uh, maintain your 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 core, your energy during the day, and you shift away from uh, you know overeating and a whole bunch of different things, is just such a nice calming effect during that month. So um, it is literally a couple of days uh, away, either Monday or Tuesday. So we're almost there. Uh, if I trust Google Calendar, it says uh, Tuesday, but typically it usually is a day before. So we'll have to see. But thank you very much for the super chat as well, man. Always always appreciated. Oh man. Let me see if I'm missing anything else, Greg. Uh, okay, so Greg's quick question is: Can you ca uh, can you do a cam test uh, between the Pixel 4 XL and the Mi 11 Ultra TK? Um, I think I need to. I need. Yeah, I, I should basically be able to do it. I think I still have to just find my Pixel 4 XL. I haven't used that one for some time. Uh, if you guys remember, I have the orange one, which I, definitely one of my favorite colors. Uh, it, it definitely will be interesting to see how the performance is for, you know, the Pixel 4 XL, which I know I think you still use, um, but I think you modded it, right, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, definitely. Um, Davin says, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a pool test video <laughs> from time to time. Yeah, just a, a little dip in the water. Yeah, no, uh, I, like I said, the content is there, I and we definitely did... Uh, I, I did get a chance to actually play with it. And we it was a weird situation where it was literally just Omar and I in the pool. Typically it's there's always somebody there. But that time we were there, it was it was nice. So um hopefully I'll put that together also and um we'll see. Maybe I'll release that tomorrow morning. Cause like I said, the content's literally on the phone. Um a little bit of a tip on this. Uh I probably would say um uh overall everything works perfectly fine obviously the phone survived and it works perfectly nice uh the only thing i would probably say just you know remember to clear out the water and uh, there actually is a built-in feature in the phone uh that actually helps it to emit a sound from the speakers to clear the water out of the speakers so it actually looks like even xiaomi has uh, has thought about that one as well so we'll have to we'll see there uh dominic one saying Oh, this is a good one. Okay, so the difference between uh, different Chinese regions have different languages as well, just like Swedish and German. Uh, you can understand one. Uh, you can understand one and completely not uh, to understand uh, the other one. Uh, that is typical, uh, and even in Arabic languages, we also have. Um, I would probably say like like native dialects change very differently. Like you'll have. Arabic countries that, or uh, countries that are considered to be Arab countries, like even the Northern African uh, side, if you go just all the way from, uh, you know, uh, Algeria, Tunisia, and so on, if you listen to their normal daily conversation, a person from Lebanon may not be able to understand the full conversation. They use similar words, and but they use them in very different um, expressions. And I'll say that even just as a simple expression from Lebanon to Egypt, which are very close to each other. Uh, the word for yogurt in Lebanon is a very different word to, to, to yogurt in uh, Egypt. And you could literally be buying the wrong product when you ask for the other word. So 
understanding colloquialism, understanding dialects, uh, and the beauty obviously is all of all all the countries speak, uh, I think, very similar formal Arabic, which helps us. But typically, like when we speak to each other, we always have to kind of uh, defer and try to be a little bit more cautious with the words that we use. We don't use very very uh, slang heavy conversations. But yeah, yeah, I, I would imagine even in, in Chinese and our other cultures as well. Um, uh, Aditya saying, my Tunisian and Saudi Arabian friends uh, actually prefer talking in English over Arabic. It does. Um, it, it gets even different also when you go down to, uh, like, you know, um, Qatar, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Tunisia. Uh, it uh, it t changes. The, the dialects are very different. Like I, uh, a few buddies of mine, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Ahmed, uh, Andrej Basha, and even uh, with the Khalifa. Uh, they typically, you know, obviously they speak their own dialect, but when we speak to each other, we speak very close to... Uh, I almost want to say, um, so in the in the Arabic countries, um, the way we have, you know, how America is considered to be the Hollywood of the movies, where all the movies are generally made here, and almost movies in English are generally generally made in English dialect or American dialect. In Arab countries, Egypt is the Hollywood of the Middle East. So if you think of it that way, most people tend to kind of default to closer to the Egyptian accent, uh, mostly because it's closer to everybody's understanding. So it makes it easier to communicate. So we'll see how it gets. Um, Zulislam really saying, uh, oh, BlackBerry promised they would, uh, they would release phones this year in cheap short, uh, uh, okay. Uh, shortage situation, any possible, um, yeah, I think you meant the chip shortage uh, situation. I think there's going to be less and, uh, there's probably still going to be a chance for them to release devices. I mean, we're still at the end, well, sorry, the beginning of Q2 of 2021. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think a lot of companies are starting to plan with the sh around the shortage of possible chipsets. I think that's a big factor why why Qualcomm has released the 870 and the 860. Two chipsets are essentially a rebrand of you know 2020 and 2019 chipsets um, in 2021. It's it's the silicon. You, you're going to have to basically try to manage the best that you can. And if you have a stock, you need to be able to manage it. Um, I'm not sure what what their what BlackBerry will be able to produce, especially with the new arrangement they're under. Uh, but we'll have to see if the, if things kind of uh, work in there. Uh, and the detail, yes, Khalifa is from Qatar as well. Exactly. Uh, uh, I love. I think his, his channel is called I Love Qatar on Instagram, uh, but it's Rakami TV uh, on the YouTube side. Uh, sorry. Yep. Yeah, that was this this comment as well. Uh, Dominic Juan and say uh, TK. Yeah, I've been I've been to Tunisia and I've heard some Lebanese speaking Arabic in the UK as well. They just sound so different, even though they, uh, I don't speak Arabic. And they do. They they're very like the um, uh, the rolling of the letters or even the connection. You can definitely dis distinguish the two are not related to each other. Uh, but believe it or not, at, at, to a certain point, we can communicate uh, and we can read each other's words. It's just that the words mean different things. That's the thing. Uh, it, it's not just the use of the word, but it's also the uh, Tunisia, if I'm not mistaken, Tunisia, Algeria have a lot of heavy French influence into their language. So even though they're speaking Arabic, they'll throw in more French words where in Lebanon, more typically, you'll see more straight Arabic or even having straight French. There's also you know French Arabic mixture a little bit in there. Uh, but it is very, 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 very good uh, as far as the approach that we get there. Um, and it, I guess, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Davin Davis, always, always. Uh, hashtag pool test. Everybody's on there as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's about that time. Um, I will probably say, uh, you know, definitely let's start getting those uh, TKception comments uh, uh, built up as well. Um, yeah, it is one of those things kind of like I, I really appreciate. I feel like Spanish speaking uh, takes Portuguese. Uh, can, Oh, um, I feel I feel it's like Spanish speakers trying to talk Portuguese people. So, okay, I'll say this much. 
going to Spain for MWC a few years back, and I was there for a week by myself. I did not have any friends with me that spoke the local language. And I'm talking about Catalan. I'm not talking about Spanish like this American, the Spanish that we have here in, you know, like from Mexico. Um, it took a little bit for me to understand. I understand quite a bit. I'm able to converse. I'm able to have small conversations with people in Spanish. But Catalan is a very different language. And the dialect is so fast and so uh, like, um, like it's almost like a th a very heavy, a very uh, fluid, a little bit, not as sharp ending like uh, in Spanish here that we have. It took me some time to adjust. And I, again, this is from a third language speaker to a another country that totally didn't get it. Uh, but it is very, very uh, always appreciated. Um, here, okay, sorry, real quick. Uh, Donald is saying, uh, TK, I checked Verizon's LG V60. It's uh, it's $950. Still, even Amazon is so, uh, uh, accessories went up. And I think so what's happening is this. Uh, the demand for LG devices may spike because people are trying to crab them as now thinking the prices are going to go down. Uh, and I think what's happening also is the companies have a lot of stock from these devices from last year that potentially hasn't been sold. So they're trying to maybe capitalize on it. Overall, I think most people won't obviously buy them at the high prices, more than likely they'll wait a little bit. If you're comfortable buying it used, uh, I would probably say just go to Swappa. Swappa is definitely a much better process to be able to pick up a smartphone from them, uh, even a Verizon version of the V60. Uh, personally, it's a very good smartphone that will carry at least a couple more years worth of software updates and should be able to perform very, very nicely. The headphone jack is amazing. Large display, large battery, stereo speakers. Everything about this phone is great. And if you can pick up the case, it's also a nice option to have a secondary case and pen input on a smartphone from LG. So uh, let me just real quick here. I'll catch the first one. I think we have uh, a few in there. Uh, da, da, da. Let me see here. Where is the first one? I think I saw it further up. Oh, here it is. So, uh, okay. Davin Davis started us up with the first. Let's go ahead and share. Uh, last time last time we did this, it actually worked much faster than I thought it was going to work. So let's do this. One, two, three. Ah, <laughs> right there. Okay. Thank you very much, of course, to everybody. Uh, Davin Davis, thank you very much to TKception. TK, hashtag pull, pull test alpha bay. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to see another, uh, another collaboration with them as well. Um, uh, T Greg, definitely very much. Thank you very much. Donald Lozino as well. Aditya, as always, always manning the <laughs> TK fashionable bell. Oh, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, and, and yes, Spanish has always uh, many, 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 many uh, accents. Chemi, of course, uh, good buddy of mine as well. Uh, haven't I wish I wish I one day will be able to hang out again, uh, Chemi. I haven't seen you for quite some time. Joe, always, always amazing guy. Uh, please make sure to check out his Instagrams. He's at both channel, uh, both the uh, color and the monochrome channel for Joe Hickey. Always, always good. Uh, TK Tesla Goku Bay. Absolutely. Oh, speaking of which, got my first OTA update on my Tesla and it was crazy. Like I wasn't even next to the car. I got the notification. I accepted it, pushed it to the car, updated it. And I was ready by the time I got my car. It, it's crazy. Like I'm getting OTAs on a car, <laughs> like, <laughs> like seriously. Uh, and I think uh, somebody was mentioning also is, can you drive the car when you're updating it? And you cannot, uh, but definitely very good. Uh, Gary, the fireman, as always, uh, you know, getting us with, you know, getting the hype train, always, always going there, uh, going there. Uh, TKception, TK Alpha Bay, uh, TK Pool Bay. Uh, we're going to have to make it into an Omar kind of a thing. Uh, Ranesh, thank you very much. TK Super Saiyan, always, always, always. I. 
everybody appreciates, uh, you know, obviously Dragon Ball and all of that, but I appreciate everybody that obviously joins the channel, follows, and is a big channel, a big supporter of uh, you know, Dragon Ball as well. Um, and of course, uh, Finn, TK Seption, thank you. <laughs> that is an interesting, your, uh, your thumbnail looks really, really nice. Uh, Richard, thank you very much. Everybody else uh, as well, just for hanging out with us. Dominic Wong, always, always great to have you on the show. Uh, it, it is one of those things that I, I appreciate having, uh, you know, on Saturdays with you guys just to kick it kind of uh, like even when I was talking to Juan on on Thursday and we were chatting about, you know, what, what are things going on? What's happening um, this week? Like I said, it's a little bit more of a, you know, uh, I'd say like spring break for my son. So we we're trying to use that and appreciate having that uh, the fun time with the family. Um, <laughs> that, that I, I like I like this comment uh TK uh we're we're still waiting for the new ROM TK is going to flash on the Tesla uh there are so many ROM, okay so th there is some raw some mods not ROM specifically but like if there's anything that I would love to do on the Tesla is seriously swap out the processor for the inf uh, the infotainment system that they have in there uh they've chosen the slowest processor possible outside of just normal switching around between different modes for the car but i'm talking like the infotainment system like opening up youtube opening up uh, hulu netflix so on it's seriously they almost like went with the slow the, the slowest possible processor they could put in there but that would be the biggest uh boost i would probably do is just see how if we can do some hardware mods into that uh, but there are actually some additional modules you're able to add uh, and one of the really nice things i want to do through it now is I want to change the the um, I guess the uh, the mechanism that holds the display in the middle. I want to get that tilt functionality. I want to have it tilt slightly a little bit more to me when I'm using it. So it feels like it's more of a personal display as opposed to a display for everybody. And I'm just sitting on the set on the left side of it. Uh, but we'll see. A Snapdragon 88. Uh, you know what, Renesh? I would go with the 865. I don't want to introduce heat or temperature issues. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, you drive for too long or you're, you're doing too many things at the same time and the things start saying, you know, heat or something like that. That's one of those things we'll have to be, uh, <laughs> that'll be definitely very involved for sure. Um, but yeah, so with that being said, oh, okay. So I, did I, did I mean, hold on, that's, uh, there's the man, small keyboard, uh, smartphone, do you think Blackberry follow trend? Um, so for smaller devices, so I'll, I'll answer here as um, as usual, Islam, uh, we're quick. I think there's a demand for smaller form factor devices. I think that's the biggest thing. We haven't seen a lot of smaller forms come out. Uh, the, the iPhone 12 was, I think, Apple's first approach to pr providing us a small phone, technically an homage to an older generation of smartphones they used to carry. Um, smaller keyboards are going to be uh, smaller demands for them. Most people, if you think about it, at nowadays are more comfortable using on-display keyboards. It's a different shift than when we were first introduced to keyboards with the Palm Pre, with the Blackberries, and so on. And then you shifted over to Android and obviously iOS, where they went away from the keyboards. Um, can BlackBerry come back and provide a good solution? Absolutely. The question, though, is uh, there's going to be a lot of challenges coming up against the shortage of chipset, but also typically what are they going to be able to improve on the experience they've given us in the past? So it's hard. It's hard for BlackBerry. Uh, I would probably say for better BlackBerry coverage, uh, check out Tech Odyssey. Adam has been doing great covering a lot of their hardware, and I definitely would recommend you checking out his channel. It's, it's Tech Odyssey. Just Google it on YouTube, uh, and you'll be able to find Adam, another beard brethren on YouTube uh, that does a lot of great content as well. So uh, the 865 for the Tesla. Exactly. Better temp better thermals. Always have to think of thermals. Uh, but either way, with that being said, again, thank you very much for everybody for hanging out with us here on Saturday Morning with Tech. Um, very, very... Um, very interesting design, very good uh, build quality overall. And I like the strap, actually. Surprisingly, I'm surprised that the strap on the OnePlus watch is actually, I enjoyed it as much as I am. 
Um, and yes, if you see me wearing two watches in videos, it's because I am wearing two watches. Um, and I love it when people comment on the videos and are like, hey, this guy's wearing two watches. Which one is it? And I think a few of them caught that this is the OnePlus watch. So very soon, I should be able to share with you guys a little bit more. I want to get my information off of it and I want to uh, basically get use, you know, usability on it also a little bit more. So um, as usual, thank you very much for everybody uh, for hanging out with us, uh, checking us, checking us out, and, and of course, uh, enjoying the show. Everybody, new people on the show, please, if you can, like and subscribe and share. It'll always be helpful. Uh, Tanush, Dominic, Gregory, uh, Greg, sorry, Joe, um, uh, Rinesh, of course, Aditya, Davin Davis, Gary the Fireman, Dominic, uh, Shark, uh, Sharky165, Richard as well, uh, and of course, everybody else hanging out. So Hamad is in there as well, um, Joe, Oliver, I'm trying to go back as fast as I can, Donald Lazino, of course, Greg, as always, um, uh, and I think oh, I saw Matt Tyler earlier in the show, El Josa's in there as well, ER, uh, Hopefully, I'm, I'm getting everybody. Oh, Rolando's in, uh, in there as well. Uh, I think I mentioned Joe, Davin. Uh, so again, hope you guys are doing great. I hope you're having a great rest of the weekend. Next week's going to be a big TCL and Sony. Uh, big. Like, let's just say that much. Both of them on the same day are going to be big. Uh, so we'll have to see. And of course, I'm, I'm spending more time. I'm going to be working up to the review on the Mi 11 Ultra. Uh, it's definitely the Ultra that will surprise you in 2021. I'm not trying to put down the other, uh, the S21. I'm just being realistic into the expectations. They innovated. They changed things. They put things, new, new things in there for other devices that you've seen from Xiaomi. Uh, where I felt like Samsung was pretty much just building and in certain situations, removing certain things. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, but again, thank you very much. Stay safe and be safe. And I always say this, but if you can, please reach out to somebody you haven't talked to for some time, an old friend, an old family member you maybe you haven't talked to. And believe me, this is perfectly the greatest time to be able to do it. We are well connected across the world as we are able to hang out together on Saturday morning. Um, and of course, with that being said, uh, be safe. I'll see you guys next week on episode 67. Uh, hopefully with more things to talk about. Uh, hope, you know, a little bit more Sony and TCL stuff that we can talk about a little bit next, next week as well. Uh, and of course, uh, yeah, uh, take care everybody. And uh, we'll hopefully just check out Instagram and Twitter. You'll see a lot more pictures of what I'm doing the next few days. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Bye-bye, everybody.